This episode of Sports Goose is brought to you by Podcorn. We've been using Podcorn for a few months now, and what we enjoy most is the large amount of potential sponsors they offer and the easy user interface that allows us to pitch our proposals and collaborate to meet the sponsor's expectations. Podcorn is a marketplace connecting its podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities, such as host read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and more. With Podcorn, there is no middleman. Podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform, set their own rates, and collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivities. You never give up on any rights to your podcast, and Podcorn is here to support you at every step and ensure you're protected and compensated for the work that you do for brands. The Marketplace mission is to give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control of how and when we monetize. Click the link in our show notes to sign up to Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities. Thank you, Podcorn. And now, let's get to the goofs. Because technical difficulties abound here at Sports Goose, here at the, the bottom of the sports media abyss. But that's what we're known for. What's up, everybody? <laughs> we are uh, we are on Sports Goose number ninety five. We've we hit a lot of snag, which is why we're delayed tonight for the live show. But uh, we are, to, well, I guess we, we do have to get some things out of the way or else the FTC will be on our butts here. Uh, we are sponsored. And we do not want that. Yeah, but this episode is actually sponsored. We're actually getting money for this. Well, we get money from, for, but we're getting slightly more money for this episode than we normally do. So we want to thank our sponsors at Podcorn, as you see on the top left corner, if you're watching it at the moment. Check them out in the description when I put this on the podcast version. So thank you to Podcorn and thank you for for the, the tiny, tiny amount of money that we're getting. But regardless, we'll take anything at this point. Well, actually, not anything. As Andrew was telling our special guest who will be here in a moment, that we did deny a sponsorship because... What was it, Andrew? They were they were what? Sketchy. Ah, oh, there we go. That's the that's that's the word. <laughs> Very sketchy. And I looked them up, and I'm, yep, the sketch was 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 definitely high on this am, sponsor. As you all know, I am the the moral arbiter of this show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he keeps us from from getting into uh, huge huge mountains of cocaine. So that's. Mm-hmm. That's I, I would have so I would have sold out in a heartbeat. All right, if if Mickey Calloway was on the show, he wouldn't be known as uh, Dick Pick Mick. So, <laughs> well, Ooh, that's the new one. That's a, that's an early preview to Gottlieb's goons, huh? Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> well, this is 
Well, we did an NHL-centric episode a few episodes ago. So this time, we're doing an NBA-centric episode, hence the NBA in the background. Dear Lord, John Stockton's on the screen here. Oh, that is This game is very old. And we do have a special guest that Andrew has once again wrangled in, hogtied, and brought into the deep abyss of sports goofs. It sounds like he's it's against his own will, but I'm sure you it's not. I assure it is you. not. At, at <laughs> least it's at least he gives the indication that it's not against his will. Stockholm syndrome. All right. Sports goof syndrome. Yeah, yeah. Well, with this, we are the unofficial, unpaid internship of podcast sports media as well. That is very true. <laughs> and that's also another preview to Gottlieb's goons in the future. So, well, Andrew, introduce our guest, please. Is he here? Thank you. Yes. Did. Yeah, there it is. There it All is. right. You can tell by his angelic voice, I could. So, ladies and gentlemen, once again, joining us for our second, no, second or third? Third. This would be number three. Third, yeah. Uh, we had him once alone, and then we had him for the college football extravaganza. And so now this makes episode three, which I believe makes him our Set, uh, sets him alone as our most guested person. He's like the most st- tenured guest. He, he's like exactly. the Steve Martin of Sports Goose. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Brendan Rourke, uh, is the terminology contributing writer? Yeah, contributor is fine, but yes. Contributor. For Pacers.com. His team is off tonight, so he was kind enough to join us to discuss his Pacers, the Francisco and Charles Heat. I guess my magic, even though I don't know what the hell is going on with them. We we and other 2017's teams in the National Basketball Association. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, Brendan Rourke. Yay. Yay. Hello. Thank you for having me on again. I really appreciate it. It's always fun. I've 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 labeled this episode a was it a, a gondola ride down the NBA river. I don't know why I went with the gondola theme. And I I I think it was sub, I think it was partially because Charles reminded me of that that scene in Willy Wonka when they get on the boat and all the trippy stuff starts happening. So, and if you look on YouTube, there's a lot of really awful stuff that happens. And that's basically what's going to happen during this review of the NBA. <laughs> but I have prepared, because last episode, I was, I literally woke up and did the show. And Charles had to carry us the entire way. And then we just started, scary if I have to do it. And then we just talked about Nintendo the second half of the show. Because <laughs> I, I was wholly unprepared after i guess i was i was gassed from the nhl episode so let's let's jump into it let's go let's 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 move forward i I have for the most part actually i didn't really look at the top teams in the nba but i'm let's go into the eastern conference because that's where all of our teams are situated and we're going to start from the bottom and reach our way up to the top and let's let's go let's go The, the detroit pistons everybody Yay. Yay! Give me my crippled ginger baby. <laughs> they participate in the NBA for sure. Oh yes, <laughs> the, the Detroit Pistons, everybody, home Little Caesars Arena. Get those uh, 
$5 pizzas. Uh, that might be the only thing that's good about Little Caesars Arena, I guess. I don't know if they even <laughs> let fans in. That I would assume that's a that was that's a delicacy that they're offering, but yeah, the Pistons are not a very good team. They're 9 and 25, the worst team in the NBA. Well, actually no, they're, they're the second worst team in the NBA at the moment. Uh, oh man, look at these! I, I pulled up numbers, people. I I researched. Uh, they their their tank is most formidable for sure. The only other team that is going up against them are the Minnesota Timberwolves, and that's on the other side when we get to the Western Conference in the second half. But uh, yeah, that there. Uh, let's see. I had on my notes. The only thing they are good at is they have a semi decent defense, but um. They are 26th in scoring, 26th in rebounds per game, 27th in field goal percentage, 26th in three-point field goal percentage. <laughs> they're they're ninth in turnovers, so they, they they will take the ball from you, but they won't do much with it afterwards. <laughs> and uh, they're 15th, which which is why I said semi decent defense at uh, uh, points per game allowed at 112.1, but they only score 107.5 per game. So that's that they will be losing a lot, and that's what they have been doing. So that's the Detroit Pistons. And the only notable player that I have been looking at is Jeremy Grant. He's at 23.4 points per game. He's got 36 blocks so far on the season. So What about my crippled ginger baby? Well, he's... Like Griffin. I, 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 <laughs> he's not going to be... He's, he's not long for Detroit. Come on now. Well, we know that. So... Come on over. Give me a massive reduction in that salary. I mean, Jeremy Tache, another one of our people that has been on before, has that same love sensation that maybe if Blake just swung over to Miami on a very reduced contract, because God knows we can't afford him, maybe he would learn to care. And I know the expectation is that he wants starter minutes. Well, you know I don't have love for Kelly Olenek. So let me have Olenek on the bench. Or you can put in Precious, but we'll talk about that when we get there. Get rid of the Blake baby. You already got rid of Derrick Rose, who I also wanted to, to New York. You don't you don't love him, Francisco? He doesn't he doesn't make you think about the possibilities. He's that ex in high school. They got their stuff straight. They weren't sniffing glue anymore. Uh, I I will he be able to make it there though? That's the thing. It's a, he's he's made of glass, all right? He's like your your boy Giancarlo Santon Aaron Judge. So but, but, uh, but uh, I I don't know. Uh, what do you think, Brendan? What do you think about the the pit? Uh, I mean, I don't think you think much. I don't think I many mean, people think much about the Pistons, but they're there. There's not much to write home about oh. the Pistons. I mean, obviously they're struggling. Jeremy Grant does not have any help across the board. Yeah. I mean, the second best starter they have is probably Mason Plumley. <laughs> yeah, that was the other thing I was looking at the numbers. And I'm like, Mason Plumley is leading them in a lot of categories, and Plumley <laughs> is almost averaging a double double, which yeah. is great for him. Yeah, but it is only ten points compared to Jeremy Grant's twenty three point four points. Every other starter on the Pistons roster does not average ten points per game. Nope. Um, the Pistons have beaten some teams wildly. It is quite understandable. Uh, quite an anomaly what they've done recently especially in the month of february they beat brooklyn boston and new orleans in a span of like eight days um so that's three of their nine wins which is magical (laughs) (laughs) but um 
if your team is going up against the Pistons, it is considered a can't-lose game at this point. None of Nobody except Jeremy Grant has any firepower on that team. Yet the Heat or have raises lost any. <laughs> yeah, the Heat have lost, and the Orlando Magic have lost to them as well. Oof. Yeah. All right. So, um, yeah. Yeah. That's about it. Let, let's let's move on. <laughs> enough for Detroit. They're like the Ottawa Senators. Just enough. Let's let's move on. <laughs> oh, funny enough, the Senators also had like a like a for them a massive winning streak where like they won three games in a row against like Toronto and Montreal, whatever. I'm like, oh, okay. They did the same thing. It's like, okay, now they're done. They're done. Or they're they're about to reach double digits. So and the same thing for the Pistons. They'll get that one. And be like, we got ten. We got ten. Okay. No, no one wants to be the Charlotte Bobcats. Yeah. Well, well, they got seven that one year. Yeah, something like that. Next, the Cleveland Cavaliers. They are fourteen and twenty-one. They're 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 not bueno either. Are we skipping the magic? Oh, oh, well, yeah. Well, I wrote this (laughs) off. Don't worry, we'll get to Orlando next. Then, uh, okay. Because I wrote this yesterday, and of course, games did happen. So now ah, I gotcha. That, no worries. The schedules, have, but they're fourteen and twenty-one. Another bridge year for a rebuilding team. They're bad, but they've had a few bright spots this season. A few games there. They're four and zero against the <clears throat> the Seventy Sixers, which goes to Charles's uh, argument that they're frauds, and the Brooklyn Nets as well. So they're four and zero against those teams, and they're three and zero in overtime. And they are on a hot streak entering the break. So, yay, Cleveland. They are. Yeah, they're, they're doing all right. They're actually, doing all right. actually, they have one more game, and it is against the Indiana Pacers. Well, okay. All right. and, so uh, I have actually done a lot of studying on the Cavaliers as of late. They're <laughs> a notable player that I've checked out, Andre Drummond, 13.5 rebounds per game, 40 steals, 18 double-doubles. At the moment, Drummond is actually being sidelined mm-hmm. um, because, and this is a big controversy in the NBA, but uh, the team is sitting Drummond for the potential of a trade. They don't want him to get hurt or anything, and it goes into the the the, uh, the argument. Well, James Harden did this while asking for a trade, and then he eventually got to Brooklyn, but he was still able to play, and the team the Cavaliers organization has opted to sit Drummond until he is either traded or they work out another deal. But it works both ways. You you sit the man, you you trade him off, and you help your tank. So Mm -hmm. that's the whole thing. I I, I applaud a team that knows how to tank correctly. (laughs) (laughs) And this is the way that you tank correctly. Look, there's some formidable tanks in... In Detroit and Minnesota, if the Cavs are gonna do anything to to go up against them, yeah, sit your best player and <laughs> and take those losses. This this win streak is is ruining things for them. What's going on? Come well, on. But the thing is, they have some potential because Colin Sexton, what this is his third mm-hmm. year now, he's really kind of shot up. And I remember his rookie season; it was just it, it was a typical you know, wannabe shooter coming from college, but he's kind of refined that technique. I mean, getting 23.9 points a game for the season average is impressive. Darius Garland still having some time to adjust, but it's more or less about J.D. Bickerstaff, who he's the coach now. I'm glad that he's had that opportunity to kind of develop, if memory serves me right, because you look at what they were doing with um, Bainheim last year, and he was kind of a old man river 
kind of retirement season, not liking the whole play into it. But Bickerstaff was the interim coach for the Rockets when they fired um, uh, Kevin McHale. And I always feel like he should have had that opportunity coming into it. So there's some pieces to in place. We all know the reason why they're letting out Drummond also is because they got Jared Allen, I believe, from Correct. the three-way Brooklyn trade. So Jared Allen is a fine investment, and he has more of an offensive skill set because Drummond's kind of a callback. Um, I feel like that's been the theme of what I've said in our prior conversation. But he, he, he'll he take shots. My, my friend's a Pistons fan, so he suffered through the Andre Drummond saga. And you'll just see Drummond put up shots that he shouldn't be. He should just be a putback guy or trying to get that, uh, that lob coming into it. But he's trying to take up these contested twos near the rim and it's just missing everything. Nowhere near close to it. So he, he'll get traded. I, I want to see people get traded who clearly are not in the plans. And I, I don't think when you can expedite a trade when it's clear, really, clearly written on the wall, we have no intention for you. And you really don't want to be there with us. And you still have your contract money. It's a contract that's not going to be renegotiated. It's not going to be maybe the easiest move. But you just got to get them because it's bad publicity. And also, it, it makes you kind of wonder, is it kind of a little bit of an indentured servitude going on here or not? Or you just let the guy play ball? There's a lot of issues that come into it. But Cleveland, at least, they might be able to have a better second half. Doesn't mean that they'll get playoffs, but they might get into that 8, 9, 10 range to consider yeah, they de- they definitely uh, could get into that eight, nine, ten range and um, compete in their. Uh, they're having that mini tournament again, right? Yes. Yeah. So the, seven, the eight, the seven, eight, nine, ten, or whatever. Seven through ten are the yeah the play-in teams. Yeah. And uh, the two stats that actually stuck out right now is uh, what you've talked about, Sexton, where Sexton actually has not or has scored. Um, 20 points in nine straight games um, right now. And uh, Jared Allen has recorded a double-double in, uh, I believe, nine straight games as well. And now they have to play the Pacers, who are on a losing skid. Mm-hmm. Um, so they could pick up. I mean, they could easily pick up this win. They'll be riding a five-game winning streak um, if they beat the Pacers heading into the second half of the season. So... So it's a, it's a I matter mean, it's a matter of of both sides. Do you do you uh, go with the whims of the tank, get seduced by the tank, or do you see like it's it'd be nice if these guys competed for something at least, and they can get the experience and learn. So there's the other side of the argument there. So well, that, they've been screwed by the lottery before, so don't think tank's gonna work because Anthony Bennett comes to mind, right? Um, yeah. So I don't know. What, what do you want to be as a team? You, you made the bad coaching hire. Now you have a good coaching hire. You have potential in your players. And it's one of those things. I don't know. It's, it's kind of like it's kind of like trying to take a test that's just an entry exam. But you know you have just to study a little bit and you'll pass with no problem. Maybe not able to get to a seat. That's how I feel it is with Cleveland. Just try a little bit better. And if anything, go for some established events if you're trading Drummond and a lottery pick. And then maybe that's good enough to get a rub because you know it's going to happen. There's going to be one team in the East, maybe two teams in the East, that suffer the multi-injury to their starters. Brooklyn's kind of that, but they're too high up to fall so down quickly unless Harden goes out too. But it's going to happen. It always happens where two starters go down and maybe you just build that momentum or they just slide and you just find yourself rising up the ranks. Okay. All right. Let's, let's move on. 
So that's Cleveland. All right, they're, they're at a crossroads at the moment. Next, the Orlando Magic, 13-22. and 22. If, they, if they only faced the Southeast Division, they would probably be the best team in the NBA because they are 4-1 and one against their own division. But they can't seem to figure out everybody else. And uh, Vucevic is woefully unsupported there. Like so, they are they are wasting this man's career at the moment. And the Magic are 29th in scoring, 104.9 per game. They're fourth in rebounds, and that's mainly because of Vucevic, 46.6. Uh, they're 30th in field goal percentage, so they are the worst shooting team in the NBA. 23rd in three point field goal percentage. They are 13th in points per game average. And 111.6, and they're 26th in 13.3 turnovers per game. And Vucevic is their lone notable player at 24.4 points per game, 11.6 rebounds per game, 48.3 field goal percentage, 23 double doubles, and 116.5 offensive rating. Get that man some help, please. He is, he is drowning in Disney World. He is in Lake Buena Vista right now, just drowning. Andrew, save him. Well. Andrew, give well, give the, the magic your love, so that yeah. they can save them, like the, the lightning in the Bucks. <laughs> well, the Bucks he bandwagoned. <laughs> oh. The issue, the issue, the magic have is that all of Vucevic's help is hurt. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter. It's been oh, it's been God. a rotating door yeah. of players for the Magic. I mean, they were what did they they started the season, I believe, like six and two, and then you know. Um, Markel Fultz goes out the entire year with an ACL. Yeah. And, you know, who was having a literal probable, you know, comeback player of the year. Well, they don't have that season. They don't have that award. It's the most improved player of the week award now. Yeah. It's no longer comeback player. But, you know, and Aaron Gordon's been out since February or since the start of February. And I mean, they haven't and will not have Jonathan Isaac, their star defensive player for the entire year still. And now they're, they're nice, shiny rookie Cole Anthony. Hmm. <laughs> has been out. Yeah. yeah. He's been out since Can't middle anything, of February yeah. with a rib fracture and he'll be out until at least past the all-star break is the last I've heard of them. And then it's been a rotating door of all the other injured people. I mean, um, Al Farouk Amino has missed time. Michael Carter-Williams has missed time. Um, Evan Fournier has missed a couple of games here and there. He's back. He's been doing well for him as their kind of three-point specialist. But, I mean, if you were to play the injury card for one team, one NBA team this season, I would put it on the Orlando Magic. Okay. If you were allowed to put it on someone, yeah, good points, good points. Yeah, the man just there's no help. What is there a hospital at Disney World that can put some of that Disney magic? Tinkerbell can just kind of wave the wand and and save everybody. Not sure. <laughs> Not sure. Okay. Next, <laughs> this is this is gonna be fun. The Washington Wizards. <laughs> no, okay. Boy. Now. Uh, okay, Vucevic, at least, you know, you have the injury card that he can play. But Bradley Beal, <laughs> uh, <laughs> aside from Russ, who's having, you know, Russ, he's doing Russ things. The man, the man, the man needs some help. 
<laughs> they are what, what what his numbers are ridiculous so far it is i think he's close to 30 uh, yeah 33 30 plus a game 33.2 yeah. points per game which is the league leading league leading 48.5 from field goal uh, range and and 41 steals at the moment and uh yeah washington they're, they're seventh in points per game so they just can't play defense. Huh? Yeah, that's the thing. That, that, that's the, they just can't play defense. They they are they are 29th in points per game allowed at 119, and, and they're seventh in 114. So there there is the reason that that's how you see it. That's how they're losing. That's why they're losing. But they've increased a little bit because a couple of weeks ago when we started like the state of NBA, I think when the season was like in its inception, they were like woefully bad. Now they're just bad. I I don't know how long of a leash Scott Brooks has, but it's coming and you know it's coming. Um, and I don't know what their expectations were, if they even really consider themselves to be a playoff team but with Beal and to a degree with Russ you know there should be some competitive level and the problem is with Russ is I think anywhere he gets traded to he's gonna be a statistical darling and that's the player he wants to be now and that's okay because in the NBA having a statistical darling matters it gets the jersey sold it gets the tickets to have people come in but I think after that what you're working with Gary Trent Jr um you I'm bringing up the roster right now Robin Lopez is on the team Raul Nito, who has basically been kind of running around as your second year, but he was in Utah, if I remember well. Ish Smith's out, so he gets a pass there. Um, Rui Rui Hachimura. Yeah. And then Mo Wagner, who the only people who actually liked Mo Wagner were the people who didn't want Mo Wagner traded away when he was with the Lakers. Oh, and then you have Alex Len, who, you know, Phoenix, and then everywhere else. He's just a big man who's kind of signed up. They have Robin Lopez, but we don't know what goes to that. But um, they're just kind of like one of those interesting teams because – I think I just like Bradley Beal too much now, and it's sad, but it's a little bit of Albatross contract, whereas in comparison, you're seeing in Houston, and they're sucking for different reasons, but it's kind of like, couldn't you just kept the band together with Wall and him anyway? I mean, Russ's triple-doubles are great, but stats speaking, but I don't know how much longer their coach has, and I'm very interested, but I just feel bad for Beal. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to piggyback off that. It's tough seeing Beal put in all this work. And then you have Russell Westbrook, who is getting 20 points per game, but you got to look at his, you know, field goal percentage and three-point percentage especially. I mean, he's not exactly your three-point specialist, but he is averaging three-and-a-half three-point attempts per game, but he's only shooting 27.5% from beyond the arc. And... Uh, I mean, he's averaging 42% from the field in general, while Beal is averaging nearly 50%. So he's not, you know, he's not blowing up the stats and helping Beal as he should. Um, And, I mean, he does lead and rebounds and assists for the team, but you need more. You need more. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. So fair question I want to ask you, and this will be my last thought on Washington. And it's really unprecedented to have a team that is probably not going to make the playoffs, but you have one player really elevating for every single win. There, there has not been a Washington victory that has not had Beal really in play. Can we not? Can we? Can we just get rid of this whole concept that you don't have to be on a great winning team for the possibility of being MVP? 
because he's that guy who's kind of showing that for consideration. This team might be under 500, and he should still be in, I would say, the top five of the voting. I don't know if he's one, two, especially how much leeway do you want to give KD and LeBron. I think KD may lose some points because of the fact that he's going to be out so long for the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think he kind of could feel a little bit of consideration. I, I know Harden's probably going to be everybody's top at the end of it because he's going to come close to a triple-double and in a different manner. But guy can feel some love. And if he has any contract accelerators because he's just doing so fantastic, let him get them contract accelerators too. And yeah, that, that goes back to my old, my old adage of the entire MVP conversation for any sport. He is literally the wizard's most valuable human being. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, it, without the wizards, nobody, or without Beal, nobody's watching the Wizards. Maybe a few Russell Westbrook fans stick around, but you can't put Westbrook as first fiddle and expect, you know, expect the output you want. So Beal is that most valuable player for a team. Kind of like Russell Wilson in the NFL, but anyway, that's a different topic. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, uh, next, the Atlanta Hawks. 14-20. and They they exist, they they exist in the plane of mediocrity. That's what I got for them. They're they're scoring uh, 113 points per 100 possessions while they have allowed 112.9 points per 100 possessions. So that's not really the best spot that you want to be in. The 14th in the league in scoring, 21st in game points allowed. Uh, eighth in rebounds, 21st in field goal percentage, 19th in three-point field goal percentage. And uh, the only, well, you have um, uh, Trey. That's one player, but uh, I, I highlighted Clint Capella this time. Clint Capella's playing great, man. Yeah, 14.1, like, re- yeah, 14.1 rebounds per game. That leads the NBA. 59.2 field goal percentage. He's got 70 blocks. That's third in the NBA. He's having himself a... Uh, a good good year out in Atlanta. I mean, he was great in Houston, but the reason why they traded him is because um, D'Antonio wanted that small ball kind of look, like super small ball. And you do that Capella was always kind of a special guy. He was Howard's heir apparent. He was already in play as a rookie, I think, in the second year that Howard was there in Houston. And I, I feel like the Charles Stradamus effect came in because about two weeks ago, Brendan, I crap-talked the Atlanta Hawks because I think my conversation with Francisco was what the hell's going on? Um, because they on paper between them, between um, Trey, Capella, and um, God, I forget his other name. They're Ford. John, they John Collins. Collins. John Collins. Thank you, Collins. Um, that that should be just so much better than they just recently fired Lloyd Pierce. I think he was the second coach firing this year because the first one was um, – Yep. Ryan Saunders, which was appropriate to fire that because he, he just wasn't ready. He was coaching like a G League. And I know there was injuries and stuff like that, but only some people get the injury excuse as a coach. But I, I think they want Nate McMillan um, from the reports I've been reading and their whole thing is about the loyalty concept. I think Nate McMillan be kind of – this might be his last hurrah because I don't see – anybody really want to give him that opportunity i would feel because you've had not one but multiple attempts to make your uh, make your name in it and it hasn't resulted in anything that you wanted but you want to kind of consider too because that's a good core i mean trey is 
always offensively good, but he isn't good defensively. And that was kind of his not coming out of what Oklahoma um, when he was a college player. And sometimes you wonder, but it's just such a good core of what they could be maybe two years from now, if they get the right people. And that's for any team, I think when we say about a young team, but there's valid reasons of why we say these things. So Atlanta, you know, maybe they come around, I don't know, but they're an interesting team for me to watch and observe. Yeah, they're definitely going to be interesting, especially with Nate McMillan, because I mean, Capella's going to be the factor after that point. Uh, Trey Young's going to get his points. That's that's Trey Young, but McMillan, after covering him with the Pacers last year, uh, McMillan's going to run your old style, run the play through the center down low uh, type of offense, and it's going to be interesting to see if Capella can handle. I mean, he's already handling pretty well, but it's going to be interesting to see if Capella can handle McMillan's offense uh, in the second half of the season because he's going to have a lot of responsibility. <clears throat> okay. All right. Well, that's that's Atlanta. So let's move on. Chicago, 15 and 18. They are also they're, – they're, they're just sneaking in there on the, at the 10th seed with the, the play-in round i guess if the, if the season ended today they've got pieces but they are a young team and they don't know how to play defense and once they figure that out then maybe they'll be fine they're eighth in scoring 114.7 points per game third in field goal percentage ninth in three-point field goal percentage but they're 24th in points allowed and they're first in turnovers turnover sorry so yeah and zach levine having himself 28.7 points per game 52.4 field goal percentage at the moment so chicago how do you guys feel about the bulls i mean they're i don't i don't see them improving anything above mediocrity with the way they with the way they play i mean again you're gonna have your stars but um you're gonna need time to, for Kobe White develop, to develop even more. I mean, Kobe's gonna be, if, barring any injury, Kobe's gonna be, you know, a stellar player in for years to come. Um, they're they've lost Lori Barkin in their three point shooter, um, for a little bit now, and they're lacking on that end as well. They're lacking. I mean, Lori's been averaging, was averaging the second most points per game before getting hurt. <clears throat> so I they're not I don't see them improving unless you're right the defense improves but they love to score and they don't love to get back <laughs> that's basically yeah. it I mean you could tell you could say that for Brooklyn too but <laughs> when you have three good scores on Brooklyn they can get away with it a little more okay. blow it up <clears throat> I don't think they're gonna get better and they're improving under Billy Donovan. I think he's maybe the right coach, but this is my thoughts on Zach Levine. It's the Devin Booker effect. And I don't know if Brennan was there for my Devin Booker poo-poo session. If you were the only guy and you're the <laughs> guy, of course you're going to have a higher thing and a higher uh, scoring production. It's what else can you do? And when you're playing a guard position, if I'm going to my Devin Booker poo-poo show, forgive me. When you're playing a guard position, you need to elevate your people, but not sometimes it's not going to show statistically, statistically on the you make assists. It's the assist to an assist. I know hockey does that stat, and I really would love if basketball implemented that. And then we're looking into Zach Levine, 
And yes, he's scoring such a high number at 28 points a game. And yes, he's got five rebounds and five assists. And that's all cute and stuff. But he's kind of been doing this for a while. The last two years, it's a slightly higher number now. But he was always kind of like the pseudo stud when he was traded over because he was always the guy implementing it. And career-wise, it kind of shows. This year, the biggest increase has been his three-point percentage because I'm looking at his career stats now. He's going 43 at three-point. That's great. But I'm not wowed by it. And this is a guy who, if he hasn't had a contract extension, will be getting bigger money out of it. But what are we going to settle for? And you mentioned mediocrity. I, I just see it. I don't think he's a mediocre player, but he's just the player because Larry Makinen, who's probably not going to get extended out because this is his second injury filled year, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And then you have to give time for Kobe and then everything else, everything else falls. The re- okay, for anybody who's listening and trying to conceptualize basketball or to Andrew, the reason why bad teams are bad is because you don't have the right team built up. It's plain and simple math. So Thomas Aransky, who was basically a backup to the Wizards last year when Wall went down, I think, the year prior. Denzel Valentine, who has not developed whatsoever from his draft stock when he was taken. I think he was outside of a lottery pick, but like barely, like a pick 13 or 14. Garrett Temple, who's kind of been bounced around a lot in the East. And then dudes I don't even know, like um, Adam Makoka. I don't know who that is. I think Kokomo. And I just had the song kicking in my head. And now it's going to be Sekhar. <laughs> I know who Ryan Arciano is. Is it the right team? Sure. But what do we know about the Bulls? They have history of also not just inconsistent management, but they're also kind of cheap. And so if you're cheap... Oh, yeah. You're not going to really, and of course, his ad plays as I'm trying to look at just comparison Levine to leave it at bat. He was doing all this great stuff last year. He's at 52%, but 2019, 2020, 45% field goal. Year prior, 46% field goal. He was uh, 28 points this year, 25 the prior, 23 the year before that. It's there, but nothing's moving. And yes, I understand too that you can say that, um, Charles, you had mentioned it, there's not a lot of talent coming into it, but you have better coaching. I think Billy Donovan is an excellent coach now and they have not put into it and maybe making comes in and then he starts making more threes, but Levine, he just, I don't know, man. Am I just petty? Am I, am I stupid? Please tell me. I, I think I am. Sometimes I, I will eat that humble pie when it comes to Phoenix, Francisco, I promise you, but Levine gives me the Devin Booker effect. I'm like, yeah, you're supposed to be this great, but are you that game changer? He's going to need help and it's going to come from Kobe white, but Kobe needs another year my shorthanded opinion they do have and i'll shout out because the pacers love this man they do have bench god fad young (laughs) (laughs) i have seen so many tweets and replies same with lance stevenson but i think that boat has sailed but (laughs) calling for for anybody in the pacers organization to bring fad young back and i think all of them are a little they got a little bit of uh uh, kind of past fever with mm. Thad Young. Yes, he's going to bring you energy off the bench. Yes, he's going to do things. Yes, he currently leads the Bulls in steals per game with 1.4. But Thad Young uh, isn't who you should be going to off the bench. <laughs> I mean, isn't that that was his basically the beginnings of his career? He was kind of like overpaid to different ones, and he, he's also a little bit of a scorer. But it reminds me of um, ah, uh, what's the other guy who was kind of like a four, but also played a point guard coming into it? Um, he's been bounced around, he had a big contract from the Celtics. Ah, uh, it'll come back to me like four days from now because I'm 31. But that, you know, Gordon that's good, but no, no, not Gordon, not Gordon, <laughs> your prior. Um, 
Yeah, we Gordon's a different guy, because Bob's really <laughs> nice, I guess. But yeah, if it's Dad Young who's kind of past that prime, then you know it maybe it's a mix of both. But um, you can see the potential. But also part of the Billy Donovan way is that he's just so stuck on his ways that maybe he's not going to be flexible with all the talent that he has. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's let's move on to your team, Brendan. Indiana. Oh, fantastic! All right, they're, they're sitting in a nice, clean fifteen and eighteen. <laughs> they're cozy. That's for sure. <laughs> so the ninth spot, seven games back, and uh, not doing so bueno at the moment, uh, are they? No, and I'm just oh, gonna boy. say it. Um, the Indiana Pacers are not playing the way they're supposed to. And I firmly believe they have no idea what to do right now. <laughs> because Ugh. the pieces are there. You're going to go down the roster. The pieces are there. They have experience. You know, they were one of the few teams in the offseason that didn't do any massive changes or overhauls to their schedule. I mean, mm. you know, they re-signed, they re-signed Jakar Sampson, who's just going to be a bench piece. But other than that, like... It's not like it's not like their roster has changed much or anything except for Karis LeVert, who we haven't seen play yet. But and losing Oladipo, but they're they're supposed to be an experienced roster. They're supposed to be above 500. They're supposed to be doing all these things, but it's just not clicking. And one of the things that obviously can be attributed to is the new coach Nate Bjorkren, who I believe is. He's a really good coach, and all the players, all the players love him, and all the players say he's always positive all the time. He knows how to how to run things. I believe he's Nate is trying to institute too many defensive things at one time, and what happens is during these games the Pacers will play competitively, but they'll have momentary lapses here and there. Like the game against the Warriors, they just played Golden State on February 24th. They lost by four. They held Steph Curry to, I believe, 20, I think. You guys. 20 points or something like that. Indiana's like, a, yeah, you guys are like the, well, I mean, your definition of average. Because you, you're, you're 15th in points per game at 113. And points per game allowed, you're at 112 and 14th. So you guys are. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the issue is they'll have these momentary lapses during games, and I will, I'll, I'll see it, and I'm like, this isn't going to end well. Because what happens is Nate Bjorkren, who's, again, a fantastic coach, he'll do, he'll do these odd defenses against, say, I, I pick the goal, I pick the Warriors because of Steph Curry. He'll double Steph Curry at the top, and Steph Curry will not score the entire game. But what happens is Steph and any star in the NBA is an apt passer and he'll find the weak side he'll find the weak side center for an easy bucket because Miles Turner can't rotate in time or DeMontis Sabonis can't rotate in time it's not just one person and Miles Turner elite shot blocker no one's going to take that against him but what Turner has yet to do is establish a way to not throw himself out of defensive position while shot blocking if he misses, the player's going to score. Like, that's that's because he's mm. out of position and he's aiming so much for that shot block. 
And he's an elite shot blocker. I mean, he leads That's, the NBA by. Yeah. Yeah, hundred. He's got 104. Yeah, he's got 104. Yeah. He's got. Yeah, I think he's he's up like like 25 on whoever's second. I forgot what that was, but and Capella's like third at 70 or something. So yeah, it reminds me. I don't know if Charles it reminds me of Hassan Whiteside when he was yeah, always yeah, looking for the block. Yeah. Well, Miles Turner is 10 times. Well, yeah, but I'm saying. <laughs> well. Uh, I've seen, um, and I was telling Brendan before the show, I like Turner, I like what he does. It's just maybe there's always going to be the hiccups, but um, those things kind of matter. So my question to you, Brendan, to kind of go from there is how much time do you want to give this guy before you give up on him in the form of that kind of defensive learning of when not to, when to properly kind of, when it's on the box out to rotate out and make sure that the shot's not going to come in, when, when to get rid of that mindset of I got work on this stat because it's what I'm best at as opposed to covering all bases because if you have a team that's going to kind of go one in four out oof, oof, especially if they have a cut that's coming to the basket or if they yeah. just like switch it up in spacing and you're going to get that in the east a little bit especially with a lot of these new age coaches that are coming in um so how do you feel about Turner if, if there's a different solution also I want to ask you do you miss Victor yet uh well to answer your second question no <laughs> the the Pacers the Pacers don't need Victor Oladipo with the way they play they they're a very share ball you know whoever's open gets the shot and I think um that I think uh when T.J. Warren and Karis LeVert come back you'll see that more obviously it's been reduced to just Brogdon and Sabonis uh two man game with a couple of wings on the threes. But to answer your Miles Turner question, uh, he needs he he needs uh, I don't want to say he needs help as kind of a cop out, but you know he needs to improve his rebounding for being a six eleven center. I mean, there's no reason a six eleven person, uh, you know, playing down low is averaging six and a half rebounds per game when your four spot Demontis Sabonis is averaging you know ten or eleven. I think he's averaging eleven rebounds per game. If I can pull it up quick. But, I mean, he needs to establish his position um, in the box down low when he sees nobody driving the lane. And the issue, the the back-and-forth issue everybody has with the Pacers is, well, you don't look at Miles Turner's stats on the box score, and that's correct. What Miles Turner does during the game is he intimidates anybody driving the paint. But, again, you're going to need – I mean – Sabonis is the only person above above six rebounds per game or seven, seven rebounds per game in an average. And Turner's going to have to step up and be that person, or you're going to have to give him help and play Turner with, uh, say, their, you know, 2019 draft pick, Goga, Pat- Goga Pataze, who hasn't seen enough action to determine, hey, maybe we should – invest more time into the seven foot center or not and whether that be the fault of Bjorkman riding too hard on on its starters or running a small rotation of seven eight eight guys at a time the 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 issue is going to be on the boards and Turner not being in position until either I mean he gets he gets some help which they have been asking around uh, I don't want to quote anybody on that, but um, 
it, it, I assume that they would be asking people around because they did try to ship Miles Turner off in the offseason uh, to Boston, but that kind of fell through once Boston tried to be too rich about it. Um, it it's, it's a waiting game, and they have no more games to wait as to whether the Pacers are going to be good this season or next season. I do think Bjorken is the right coach because while um, – while they are averaging just, you know, the 15th most points in the league, it's up from Nate McMillan. It's up like eight or nine points hmm. at this point. I remember that was your criticism about McMillan. He was more defense first and say bye-bye to your offense. First. And, I mean, Nate Bjorkren is supposed to have, you know, this defense, this new wild defense that, uh, you know, he had under Nick Nurse in Toronto. And it's not sticking to these players' heads right now. I mean, they're averaging what? It's their 19th in, point, yeah. in opponent's points per game. And whether it's because he's trying to implement too many things at once or whether he's, you know... Um, well, they haven't completely just, bought into the system. Yeah. Or they haven't bought into the system. They love the coach. I mean, they have no qualms. I've seen it, I've seen it on the players' faces during interviews. They, they love playing for him. They love his positivity. They're just running out of time to prove it this season. Mm. Okay. So one question on to it, just to kind of, because you're in the thick of it. I think it's great that we can always kind of bounce your head. So if you had to say, all right, guys, one guy that I need, and uh, the reasonable guy, you know, not that you're not going to get James Hart part two. Um, who is it that you feel would be that complete guy or that guy to kind of, you say seeking help. Who is that person that you would want on your team? Lance Play Stevenson. <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> it's a return of form. <laughs> Lance, Lance Stevenson. Uh, that's what all the that's what all the Twitter trolls say is bring Lance home, or sign Lance to at least the Fort Wayne Mad Ants in the G League and see how he does. <laughs> but it, it's got to be a big man. I mean, it's got to be someone who's willing to give up. You know. Uh, it, I can't really name one off the top of my head, but that's where I would go is a big man focused on rebounds. I mean, you can throw Drummond out there, but I, I assume Drummond's going to be way too expensive for what the Pacers want to give up because the Pacers like their roster continuity. You know, the Pacers like the fact that they have this experienced chemistry together. I mean, Brogdon and Sabonis, McConnell and Sabonis, when Brogdon has to sit out, they, they're, Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Cousins, because I mean, they're going to release him. I'm sure you can get him a bet thing. It, it's a little bit about the same issue with Turner because similar height, but you at least know he kind of has that hustle and the rebounding. I don't think they would work well on the floor necessarily together, but sometimes you have to look into what that second unit, or not even the second unit, but what I call it the 1B starting or the 1B bench, mm -hmm. right? Where you, you get need a little a, bit like of a bruiser. They need, they need a bruiser off the bench, really is they need somebody to come in and establish presence in the paint a different way than Miles Turner does. So you give them that mix. When Turner's in the game, no one wants to drive because he can block shots. But then if someone wants to drive the game or someone wants to drive the paint with Turner out, you have that bruiser who's not afraid to make contact with these smaller guards or uh, you know, go up for a go up for a gritty rebound. And you know, if if Sabonis is on the left block, if the ball bounces to the right block, they're not going to get it. 
most of the time. I mean, until they get that big bruiser down low that can play opposite Sabonis when Turner needs a sit or can play, you know, can play the four with Goga Bataze in the second unit or anybody like that. And Cousins, I think, is a decent – Is there's a decent argument for Cousins, I'd say. Okay. All righty. All right. So that's, that's your Indiana Pacers. They are in a <laughs> – you guys got to do something now or else – Seasons yeah. they're gonna. Uh, I mean, I think they're good enough to wind up in this play in round. Just what are they gonna do after that? Because they've what last what five seasons in a row of first round exits. And so. a lot, yeah. I think it's yeah four or five, and the last two I think were sweeps. Yeah. But it, it all again that their rebounding is definitely one of the problems, but. I'm not going to play the injury card, but it's going to be interesting to see when Karis Liver finally gets medical clearance to play. Um, TJ Warren um, may be still a ways out, um, but Karis Levert seems like the next person to come off um, the injury list, and he's going to add immediate depth to the the three spot for them and the two spot, really. Um because, I mean, you have Justin Holiday, who's a great three-point shooter and great, you know, prototypical three and D defender, but he's normally coming off the bench at this time in his career, and he's playing starting minutes. And then you have, you know, Doug McDermott playing the three spot right now. And Doug's, Doug's given the Pacers a lot. Um, it, it, they just need another shooter like Karras hmm. to help. And it'll be really interesting to see if this team takes off once Karras gets on the court. He's been with the team. He's been practicing. Uh, this is what I can say. He's been with the team. He's been practicing non-contact shooting drills. He's been playing 5-on-0 in practice, um, everything like that. And the rumors are that he might see time definitely after the All-Star break and definitely near or perhaps near the end of March is the best I could say. Okay. It would be my guesstimation. Right. There's still plenty of season left. So, okay. All right. Let's, let's Andrew, are you still alive back there? I just want to get a cage. I don't know if he's back there. I think we killed <laughs> him. A very nice snap. Yeah. I'm still here. Believe uh, it or not. Uh, okay. All right. Yeah, we're, we're taking a while. We were able to go out. Of, we might just do the Eastern Conference this this episode, and then um, and then we'll because Andrew, you haven't been on the show for the last what three episodes, I believe. Four. Yeah. Uh, something like that. Yeah, and you, I, well, you, uh, you haven't gone on your magnificent world tour just yet, just yet. So that's we. You came in today and got us Brendan, but. Uh, let's, let's, uh, I guess we can cover one more team before we get to the halfway point, And then when we get to the second half, Andrew, because you've been off the show, whatever topic you want to talk about, we'll talk about it before we move on to the rest of the Eastern Conference. Does he, does he know that we took shots at him the last three episodes I... of his namesake <laughs> in his homeland? Andrew? Why? Andrew, do you... he, he doesn't what, know. What did you We've been teasing people on it. 
Oh, there was there was there was slander. UCF is not the 2017 national champion. I'm just I'm just yeah, kidding. I'm just kidding. I think he would come over here and and kill me if I actually <laughs> meant that. <laughs> Was, there was well, insults about Tampa and Orlando, and we teased people that we were going to get our just desserts. It was more about the Tampa Bay thing, but still, and it's mainly because of the Rays, but still, but still. Whatever you want to talk about, second half, uh, especially well, because you won't be here for all the episode. Well, believe it or not, there is one thing I would like to mention about the NBA. Oh. Well, it's it's one person in particular Taco. Yep. Ha <laughs> ha. Taco. <laughs> How's he doing? And how? It is Taco Tuesday. How how much crow do teams have to eat thinking that he couldn't play in the league? I think he's barely on the floor, bud. He Brand- saw some. Uh, yeah. He saw a little bit of extra time. Um, recently, but yeah, he's barely on the floor. He's. I mean, I'm pulling up his stats now. <laughs> he's he's hanging on. <laughs> All right, you guys ready for this? Taco's feeling dangerous. He's Diablo Sauce Taco for the season. This UCF alumni that we all love is averaging two point six points, two point six rebounds. 0.1 assists. He hasn't played in eight games and he's averaging 7.1 minutes a game. Feeling dangerous. And you know what's funny, Andrew? It's doing better than you, Donis Haslam. <laughs> doing better than you do. Who's just in the spot? Sorry, UD, it's time. He's a player okay, coach. So, he's a player coach. But, when, but he, they actually need him too, I would say, because they don't have so really a, a solidified center. It's Daniel Dice. And that's a no bueno. So I'm with you. But that's where Taco's at right now. Yeah, but what's diet, per 36? That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> the, per, the per apparently is like 22, which is the most hilarious thing to me. But hey. He's averaging 13 rebounds per 36. That's all I got. <laughs> oh, God. And 13 points. Uh, Sorry, Andrew. I don't have any other topics. I honestly can't think of anything. No, I mean... For the second half, you, you can take this time now to, to think of something. I know, I mean, UCF has had major things happening. We You haven't had a UCF gush session in three weeks. so And you got a fellow alumnus with us as well. So you guys can gush for, you know, 10, 15 minutes. Gush on the Gus bus. Mm. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Gus, exactly. Gus we were waiting. Mm. Kinky. Gus bus gushing. Mm-hmm. Do we want to do that now, or do you want to? Do well, we're our... we're about to hit the second half, so let's finish this last team. Or we're about to finish the halfway point, whatever. Let's this last the Charlotte Hornets. Let's go, and then we'll move on uh, later on. But yeah, Charlotte Hornets, everybody. Sixteen and eighteen. Gordon Hayward, good pickup, good pickup. Boston's kicking know. themselves right now. And Lamelo, Roy, possibly? Question mark. <laughs> Is he the Roy? That or Anthony Edwards, but no one watches Minnesota. And uh, the fact that you're going to have... You're, you got to think of it lo- logistically. Um, one team is probably going to finish with 15 wins of the season. One team could be contending in the playoffs. And part of it is really more the play of LaMelo. So mm-hmm. I think it's really just simple and, you know, right there. Okay. Point, you know, doors shut. 
Well, okay. Scary Terry's contract is terrible. <laughs> or the style of play that he has. Plain and simple. I think we could say that two years into it. Um, it's one of those weird teams where I say, do they miss Frank Kaminsky? Because it feels like they do, and he wasn't doing anything when he was there. But it, it's another thing if Horatio gets another year and they go. Let's see. They've got 112.1 points per game, 18th. The uh, forty-six point three field goal percentage, and let's they are, what are they? They are eighth from three-point range, thirty-eight point one percent. They're definitely a, a they're definitely a three-ball yeah team for real. Yeah, Lamelo's got seven double doubles, leads the team in assists, and he's got fifty-one steals. He needs to clean up his turnovers, but other than that, he's been doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. So Charlotte Hornets, they are there, they exist. That's that's <laughs> when you get around here, it's like yeah, they exist. We get to these teams, so they exist until we get to like Toronto and Boston and Miami, and you know once we get there. But yeah, feels right. like Horton hears a who when they're singing. We are here, we are here. That's basically the Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, yeah, they're another they're another team that'll play in the East, but you know never win unless something yeah, more. <laughs> More okay. fuel to the argument that the yeah. NBA needs to do away with conferences and just go straight up 1 through 16. Or you can always stop this whole super team stuff. Just saying. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. That's a good. Ah, that's a nice happy note to move on to the <laughs> halfway point of the show. So, guys, and Brendan knows what that means. It is a word from our non-sponsors, people, places, things, concepts, what have you, that we've been enjoying over the last week, and I guess Andrew over the last three weeks. I don't, th- I don't think he's been enjoying much because of a certain exam that we all hate, and we, we hope we'll die in a fiery crash if it was sentient. But yeah, well, who wants to start? I mean, I could start if you guys I want. Think it's got to be Andrew. Andrew, do you have something? Or... Tones. You ready? We've had a cover for him. I'm ready for it. Uh, if not, I can go first. You can. I'll go first. Okay. Um, this will make sense once you hear me talk about it, but my non-sponsor is me. Okay. <laughs> All right, where's uh, what, Which is what, funny cause you I'll, I'll look up your Twitter page then on the screen for people watching. Um, because I finally got the cojones and the brilliant idea to say, I need a man cave. Oh, I thought you were going to say you're going to get some manscape when they haven't sponsored us yet. But yeah, um, yeah, but you, yeah, you showed us the uh. The first installment in your man cave. Yeah, my setup used to be out in the living room, the common area, so I rarely ever got to play games because I didn't want to interrupt anybody. But thanks to some developments, everything in the house got moved around, and I basically said, eh, screw it. I'm going to, while this is all happening, I'm going to move everything into my room. So now I've got my Xbox, my 360, my PS4 in here. Uh, a an Amazon Fire Stick is coming tomorrow. Um, you gotta get a gaming chair, dye your hair pink. Hey, don't 
said. Start well, streaming. Start streaming a lot more whoa. on your it'll PS4. Probably, it'll probably be a teal blue instead of pink. Yes. <laughs> Call your uh, rainbow, rainbow keyboards. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Oh, my. Rainbow LEDs in the background. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or you... Yeah, it's... Get, get. By the way, Ratchet and Clank is free, everybody, until the end of March on the PlayStation Store. If you guys want to get it, I'll take a look. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's it. I guess that was the biggest change in my life, other than getting <laughs> the damn exam done. Okay, yeah, and you're planning your awesome world tour at the moment. I know that. That is true. Uh, I'll be visiting my beloved Central Florida uh, very shortly, and you know, get out of Miami. Which it's not that I don't like Miami; it's just I need a break every now and then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand that. I think we all understand that wholeheartedly. If you if you've <laughs> lived down here for sure, Miami's definitely a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Oh boy. All right. And what's your promo code? Promo code Cojones. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that one. All right. Okay. Well, I, I guess I'll go next because I've been. This one has been building for a whole month already. I think Charles and well, I think anybody who's been listening to the show for the last month knows where I'm going with this. Metal Gear Solid Five. I completed it last night. Finally, got the last cutscene, got to the final end credits, and finally. Did you uh, do it like I told you to do it? What do you mean, like you told me to do it? I didn't get an S rank for everything. I didn't do any of that. No, no, second, second to last mission, last, and then last mission, second. Yeah, yeah, because they're all repeats for the most part. I just clicked whatever was yellow and was like, ah, these are repeats. I'm like, okay, that's where. Yeah, gosh darn it, Konami and Kojima and that freaking. Ah, uh, they could have. It's the biggest. I think it's one of the bigger what ifs in gaming. What if they had just left him alone and let him complete the game the way it was intended? And there's a online you can find a freaking uh, what a a cutscene that wasn't in the game was like the last mission that was supposed to be. And but they, you know, oh well. But whatever. Metal Gear Solid Five, very very good video game. 106 i think hours i went into it i what 66 percent completion so i played most of the game i'm probably not gonna go back anytime soon to finish whatever's left it but it is a very complete game it's only 20 bucks right now but i got it on sale for like seven bucks on steam it's like on sale every other month so at some point whatever thing you use gog or indie gal or steam whatever you'll see it for like seven eight bucks and he's like just get it it's 100 plus hours you're gonna have a fun time you're gonna have a good time there was a point where i was kind of like a zombie or kind of like the 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 vocaloid parasited people just kind of i just kept playing i wasn't even thinking anymore i just kept playing it wasn't because i was bored i was just like this game just compels me to keep playing and it is a good one i love the freedom that they give you with all the options and how to complete missions and things like that some missions you can uh, at some point i was like yeah i'm just gonna sneak and not kill anybody and then when i was tired at some point i was like i'm just gonna kill everybody i, I see in sight I'm just gonna blast them with a rocket launcher i don't care about the s rank <laughs> and it, it allows you to do all that stuff you can do silly stuff too there's some 
if you look on YouTube, some people who are elite level players and they, they can do some weird things. And, and it's pretty cool. I, I love it. And yeah, this is, this is a good one. I'm glad I, I experienced it. I'm finished with it. I, it is definitely a very, very, very good video game. And I highly recommend it to anybody for your PS4, your Xbox One, or your PC. Go and get it. Have fun. A promo code. Big Boss. Big Boss. Yeah, kept you waiting, huh? Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> who's who's next? Well, uh, I'll go. We'll we'll leave Brendan for last because he's he's our angel and we love him. Um, <laughs> to kind of go with the gaming, we're just gonna kind of. It's a product, and it's more of the sensation of a new product. Think about it this way. So I have a PS4, I have many consoles, but PS4 is where I kind of put some, you know, damage on. And I've had some controllers for a while. And as you know, you put some wear and tear onto them, especially with the analog sticks. And how I kind of to alleviate and extend the lifespan of it is I use a little electro electronic contact cleaner, and it keeps it in there a little bit longevity. But the two controllers I've had, I have three PlayStation controls because I would always get them on Black Friday because they would be down to like $40 and then I just trade in some stuff and then get them for like five or 10 because I'm a hustler and I don't pay full price for nothing. Um, if I had a child, I would ask the hospital, how can I get a reduced child or the fee of the child? Anything I can do to save money, that's my thing. Go to the thrift shop, right? But I don't like to buy pre-owned stuff when it's like a controller. It's weird, someone touched it, someone's nutsack was probably on it. I can't live with that. But both my controllers kind of went at the same time. And apparently, guys, there has been a shortage of PlayStation controllers because of the boys. Yeah, there's a podcast I listen to video games. Like, you can't find PlayStation, Xbox, even Wii controllers. You can't find them now. Gentlemen, my ignorance to the world of how now, now I need all cures because I had to wait for some controllers. It was terrible. I went to GameStop. I'm like, all right, I'm trading this stuff in. Give it to me because I have this. And I know I can get it for 10 bucks. And they're like, we don't have any. I just saw the last one. I'm like, what the hell do you mean you saw the last one? So they had to order one for me. Um, they they now charge a shipping fee when you had trade in your old controller. So that's very sad because I get they hustled a hustler and that hurt me. But I respect the game. I respect you. Side note on that. <laughs> then I went to Best Buy like that day because I had a gift card. So I'm like, all right, free control. They had nothing except for the ugly ass green camo one. I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't list. I don't wear those long ass short jeans and then drawers <laughs> and then have like the. I wear aviators, boys. I don't wear those silly ass uh, sunglasses and have my hair spiked. Think about the days of Papa Roach and drinking what? What's a knock live wire? You know, Mountain Dew. <laughs> no. That's not me. Those who want that green camo, take your sister out for Valentine's Day. I don't need it. All right. And then I couldn't go to Walmart because I didn't have a gift card there. Cheap. But so at at Best Buy, I ordered the gold controller, which was a replacement of what I had. But then at GameStop, fellas, I'm bougie. I like pretty shit. I'm just saying it like that. You get a third party. I got, I got no, I didn't go to third party. Okay. Get, miss me with that. Miss me with that, Francisco. Authentic, man. I was about to say. Authentic. No, I got, because it's about color coordination. 
I got the rose gold controller. Now, I love my gold controller that I have because, you know, that's like Midas. It's always perfect, and I was fine with that. I didn't want to get black or the white one. Um, and it definitely wasn't doing the green camo that says how much I love Papa Roach and Take It Back Sunday and all that. Um, but I got the rose gold, fellas. The minute it came, I was so excited. I was like, I'm going to take my lunch now because I'm working at home. I just pop it in, charge it. I have love every. It's sleek. It's beautiful. It, I, I feel like I can never wear a grill. But this is like the equivalent of my grill. You know, I, I can wear the big chains, but that's it. I, if I had to get my Jesus pieces, this is my Jesus pieces. It's rose gold, but it's my rosebud. Anybody who's seen Citizen Kane knows how important it is. That would be my dying breath as I'm going at 75. <laughs> rose gold. The sensation of having a new controller when you've been just kind of like extending the lifespan of something that should have been dead, like a dying relationship <laughs> or, you know, grandma's old dog that's like 25. But nothing beats getting that new puppy nothing beats getting that big old new tv and nothing beats getting that new controller and i'm playing diablo 3 right now boys as we're talking because i needed a game that was mindless and right now is the gold one but it's about to be low on battery so guess who's gonna get that love in the second half guys rosebud um new playstation <laughs> controllers whatever your color is except for that green camo um promo code bougie look how beautiful that that is come on now oh, there's the green camo Oof. Yikes. Ugh, oh, man. <laughs> we love some 41. Okay. Go sit in your corner, Billy. Okay. All right. <laughs> Next. Oh, it's me. Should I continue with the video game theme? I don't know. I could do a, a, a couple, I guess. Whatever but, you want. Um, shout out to calling uh, things you hold on two for too long uh that includes both of my xbox controllers that have lost their left bumper and i have to keep them there you go my finger uh, <laughs> yeah. hold on which 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 the xbox one or like 360 controllers the xbox one oh okay the original the original xbox one Ooh, 20 from 2013 <laughs> yeah the uh <laughs> the left bumper is off and uh i have to keep it on with my finger um so yeah. playing games like Rocket League is fine. I just won't check the scores because that's all the left bumper is hooked up to. Playing games like Sea of Thieves, where you need the left bumper to check your inventory wheel, is not fun. But anyway, uh, I guess my non-sponsor. Uh, I guess my non-sponsor. Speaking of video games, will be uh, Sea of Thieves. Mm -hmm. It has it has uh, given me serotonin over the past week um just playing it being out on the nice ocean water i will get a um hopefully i want to see someone play it on pc because i've heard the graphics of the, of the water and everything are amazing on it yeah um but i will get a 4k television at least to get some of those nice ocean graphics but Sea of Thieves is my serotonin and the bane of my existence because trying to get level 50 in the three uh, emissaries that you need to become what is called a pirate legend is a grind. And it's definitely a grinding game. Um, but as long as you don't see another ship, it's a nice, fun, it's a nice, fun game. Um that's all I have for that one, really. My non-sponsor is... It, it's all... Like, all the stuff you unlock is nice and just skins. 
and stuff and it's a really fun game to look at and a fun game to just sail like a pirate and it's pretty awesome so i guess code word r with 15 r's shout out to my other non-sponsor um and i know the uh the Miami, the Miami locales know all about this one, but uh, Cuban coffee as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's that's just a that's just a constant non-sponsor of my life. <laughs> it's not, it's not just pertinent to this week or this show or anything. That's just what gets me alive, what keeps me alive. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> good. Good. Very good. Thank you to our actual sponsor for this episode, Podcorn. We've been using Podcorn for a few months now, and what we enjoy most is the large amount of potential sponsors they offer and the easy user interface that allows us to pitch our proposals and collaborate to meet the sponsor's expectations. Podcorn is a marketplace connecting its podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities such as host read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and more. With Podcorn, there is no middleman. Podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform, set their own rates, and collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivities. You never give up on any rights to your podcast, and Podcorn is here to support you at every step and ensure you're protected and compensated for the work that you do for brands. The Marketplace mission is to give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control of how and when we monetize. Click the link in our show notes to sign up to Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities. All right, guys, we're moving on to the second half of the show. Andrew, are you ready to gush? Let's do it. Go ahead. Go gush. Well, the past (laughs) few weeks have been eventful, to say the least, for UCF. Um, So just some background. The Tennessee Volunteers coached our athletic director, Danny White, uh, to be their athletic director to guide them through probably a really crappy time coming up because they've got investigations up the wazoo. Um, And part of that, or stemming from that, was they fired their head coach, Jeremy Pruitt. So who did Danny White take with him to Tennessee to be the new head football coach? Josh Heupel, who was our football head football coach. So in the span of a week, uh, just before National Signing Day, no less, we go from relative stability, including arguably the best athletic director in UCF's history, to neither a athletic director nor a football coach. So what does UCF do? They go out and hire Gus Malzahn. Well, let me rewind. First, they hire Terry Mohodger as athletic director, comes from Arkansas State, uh, who had been their AD since 2012 and oversaw a lot of um, facilities upgrades, increase in donations, and a very uh, successful athletics department. I mean, their football team beat UCF in 2016 in the Cure Bowl. Um, so that was great. And then Mohajer, there were many names thrown out there 
for who the next football coach would be. Uh, some believed it would be, I forget some of the names, maybe Brendan, you can throw one out. I think it was, oh, Jeff Levy, duh. Um, Jeff Levy, who's the offensive coordinator at Ole Miss, uh, was the uh, offensive coordinator for UCF uh, during 2018-2019 under Heupel. Uh, he was kind of the front runner, and there was a huge movement by the players to bring in Levy. Um, ultimately, that did not happen, which rubbed some of the players the wrong way, it appears. But ultimately, UCF hired Gus Malzahn. Uh, former head coach of Auburn, uh, took Auburn to the national championship in 2013. Uh, Go Nose. <laughs> was, the, was the coordinator for um, Auburn in 2010 when they did win the national championship and coordinated for 2010 Heisman winner uh, Cam Newton. So he's got an impressive resume. And it turns out that he has a history with Terry Mohodger. Malzahn was a state's head coach in 2012 when Mohodger started and was poached by Auburn that after that season and led a subpar Auburn team to almost winning the national championship. I think they were 17 seconds away from the win, but... Uh, Winston and at all uh, pulled a rabbit out of their ass and won the game with uh, in the dying seconds. So a lot of people were uh, UCF fans were concerned that oh Moha uh, Malzahn is going to be old school. He's not going to be able to fit in with the fast paced offense that we are so accustomed to seeing the past few years. But it turns out the that was very overblown. Turns out, and I didn't realize this, Malzahn was the inventor of the hurry up no offense or hurry up no huddle uh, offense back when he was a high school coach um, in the latter part of the 1990s. So he is the father, if you will, of the system that we've been using to great effect uh, since 2016. But then, more importantly, he has been on a rampage getting coaches. I think he filled out his whole coaching staff in a week. No, nine days. And he brought in people from Auburn, from other Power Five schools, uh, people that are, you know, top of their game and really know their stuff. But then also, he has been on a recruiting warpath. I think in, he got hired, been like two, three weeks as head coach at this point. He's already made a hundred offers, uh, and these are four-star, five-star guys. Um, he is really making an emphasis on recruiting Florida, which thank God, because 
Florida is, if not the best state when it comes to high school football, it is certainly in the top three along with Texas and California. Um, and I think most people would argue that it is the top in the country. Um, you know, you've got the IMG Academy down in, up in Bradenton, which is a high school in name only, basically. Um, I'm, I'm sure you can attest to that, Brandon. Oh, yeah, for sure. Sorry about that. I That's was right. muted and didn't realize. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so IMG Academy... I mean, you got, you, you have a, you have a, it, all of South Florida is huge. I mean, if anybody has not seen any of the documentaries or books on a little town called Muck City down in Florida, I mean, that's been, that's yep. been a staple of recruiting for everybody. Mm. Pahokee I mean, and Belglade, baby. Mm -hmm. Palm County. And that's a and, reason yeah. why the University of Miami was so successful in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s because they own South Florida when it came to recruiting. Um, yeah, if, if you're in Florida, you're golden. You don't need to leave the state to get the best players. It's not like you're in the, not like you're from Nebraska where you have to poach people from other city from other states. Yeah, correct. And if I can cut in, there were oh, yeah. rumors. Um, again, these are unconfirmed, but I have seen it in in on um, a couple of reporters around the Florida area have said it too. But there are rumors that high school coaches were literally begging Josh Heupel to come look at players in Florida, and he just did it. He never showed up at high schools. He never showed up at anything down here in Florida. Yeah, exactly. And um, I've seen that uh, Malzahn has hired a couple of high school coaches to be recruiting coordinators, uh, analysts. Um, you know, it's, it's huge. And more than that, though, aside from just recruiting, he's pulled in now three former Auburn players uh, who are former four-star players. Um, these are great, great players. Like, uh, they just brought in a uh, defensive end from uh, Auburn from last season who was second-team SEC. A um, lot of one, a lot of great accolades. They brought in a wide... He had an all-time name, too. Yeah, what was it's Big Cat Bryant, I believe, is his real name. <laughs> I, I honestly thought it was a nickname, but I, I looked him up on 24-7, and that, that is his name. Big Cat Bryant, all-time name. Uh, so he's brought – so Malzahn has brought in three players, and it looks – and there are a lot of – one of whom – one of whom, get this, one of whom was supposed to, was going to go to Tennessee, but then is was now flipped to UCF. So, someone that we are in 
fantastic shape, much better shape than really anyone could have guessed when you lose. Uh, like I said, I, I don't think I'm going too far in saying that Danny White was the best athletic director in UCF history. Would you? I don't think that's too much of a hot take. Would you say, Brendan? No. I mean, what he did, what he did was, I mean, legendary. It's still, in my opinion, 100% attempt to be objective. It was still, in my opinion, the best marketing project. UCF for him was the best marketing project in college football history, what he did for the program. Like, for instance, he started the whole Orlando's hometown team slogan. Correct. But it, it does have that has to have an asterisk behind it because he did attempt that while at the University of Buffalo and it failed mm. spectacularly. <laughs> but <laughs> it, it turns out Buffalo likes being Buffalo, not New York's hometown team, which in the grand scheme of things, a lot of people don't understand that New York is much bigger than just a tiny little city slash island on the East Coast. Um, so he definitely, he definitely had to re reconsider his Buffalo as New York's football team or whatever he tried to call them up there, but it worked for Florida because Florida's a so big and so populated with football that he made a brand out of UCF, created it from nothing. And now it's, it's mentioned as many times as power five schools in outlets i mean if you just google big cat bryant you know what gus malzahn just offered now espn has the article and now every single big outlet has the article and that is because of what danny white did while he was here and love it or hate it which i love it brendan loves it uh most of ucf fans love it love it or hate it Claiming the national championship was humongous for the brand. Um, I remember, you know, I was still, I was a student when UCF won the Fiesta Bowl in 2013 over Baylor. And I distinctly recall that the number of applications to the school skyrocketed. And I know that there's a lot of contention between the academic side of universities and the athletic side. Oh, we put too much, uh, we put too much funding into athletics, things like that. Yeah, yeah, yada. And they've got a point. But it cannot be said that a good athletics program has absolutely no tie to the success of the university. Um, you know, because UCF has gotten so many more FTIC applications, first time in college, um, because of that, they're able to be a bit more selective. So they're getting uh, they're getting higher GPA, average GPA, they're such and such and such. That was even more so when UCF won the Peach Bowl and. Danny White, in his infinite wisdom, immediately afterward, before the Collie Matrix came out and said that they ranked us number one, which I'll be honest, if they didn't, then I wouldn't be as on board with it. Um, 
but he said national champions undefeated three words that are going down that are going to go down in UCF history as probably three of the most significant um you know there was a for well Brenda knows the AP style book um but for, <laughs> too much yeah uh but for you oh did we drop i think we lost him andrew we lost you is he gone but i know i know where he was going with that okay lot, if you want me to finish it yeah go ahead. guys the ap oh, style book is basically mine. the whole uh, basically the bible when it comes to okay. to how to write articles can you hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. Can. Your connection, I guess, got delayed. Guys? Yeah, he's on a time delay now. Andrew has traveled through time. <laughs> he's gone through a warp portal of some sort, and he's about what, like, fifteen seconds behind us now. So we are in the future to him. Can you hear me? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. So I guess. Cool, you can hear me now. So anyway, <laughs> uh, AP Stylebook is basically the Bible for journalists. Um, it tells you everything from how to spell certain things, how to format. Uh, you cannot be a journalist without the AP Stylebook, a serious journalist without the AP Stylebook. Um, so UCF, the, uh, you'll see where I'm going in a second, but most schools are referred to as like instead of SMU, it's Southern Methodist, or instead of uh, CCU for Coastal Carolina University, they write Coastal Carolina. UCF, much to our chagrin, is always referred to as Central Florida which I, we've had a discussion about that several times, gentlemen. Um, but there was an article done in the, I think the USA, to, no, 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 it was the Washington Post where the, the person, the author argued that it was no longer needed to call us Central Florida. The, the exception is with some, with some schools like LSU where no one's going to get it confused. His argument was there was no confusion anymore. People will know what UCF is. And I've been seeing UCF a lot more. Um, you know, ESPN no longer calls us, uh, writes out on their score bugs, Central Florida or C Florida. It's always UCF. So all of this is just a long-winded way of me saying when we lost Danny White we thought we were done for that we were going to be screwed we were going to lose all gains that we made but in comes Terry Mohajer and he makes this huge signing and he's he's not letting off the gas either he UCF just posted billboards in Jacksonville and in Marietta, Georgia, saying that the future of college football is in Orlando. It we're we're feeling good about the future. Um, 
But by the way, Brendan, UCF beat Tulsa in basketball. They did. I was I've been monitoring the score app on which for for those not in the know, Tulsa has our number for some reason, whether in, in any sports really. Uh, I don't know what it is, but they are our kryptonite. It's you. <laughs> it's your it's your connection to the city, Andrew. I guess. I mean, uh, Brendan, I was born in Tulsa. And I lived there. <laughs> they want they want their they want their son back, so they take it out in UCF. <laughs> I guess. And, and my my eldest sister got her bachelor's from Tulsa, so I I, I guess we're the we're the blame. I don't know, but. Regardless, the fact that we beat Tulsa is great news for us. Um, but anyway, Brendan, I know I've been taking up the bulk of the conversation, but is there anything you'd like to add? Hello? Is he Can gone? You hear me? Is he through right, time? No, okay. <laughs> I, my, my computer timed out, and I think it automatically muted me. I think that was... <laughs> Um, sports goose everybody (laughs) anyway um i don't think ucf gets gus malzahn without danny white being there beforehand absolutely that's just the way that's just the impact that danny white's marketing had and the fact that you have a and ucf fans i think this time are being much 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 more realistic at the fact that we obviously know Gus Malzahn is not going to be our coach <laughs> forever. Like there's the, there is no way Gus Malzahn is sticking around as soon as another high profile power five job opens up. Now I'm not saying Gus Malzahn is going to go to like Vanderbilt or Syracuse or anything like that. But as soon as a high profile power five team opens up, he's gone. Well, see, and... that's, that's something that I, I, I'm i kind of struggling with. I mean, I get that he, that he would be a hot commodity, despite <clears throat> the fact of him getting fired from Auburn for a quote-unquote subpar year. But here's the thing that I want to get your take on. Malzahn is only a couple of years younger than Georgia Leary was when we hired him. And some of the language that he was using in his introductory press conference, like the eight weeks that I had off, I was, I didn't think I was going to be coaching this year. I was going to take a year off to uh, be an analyst. Uh, You know, I got to spend time with my grandkids. Um, This is the, the strongest Gus Malzahn you've ever had. Some of that, uh, he also said that he had time to reflect on his career. So he's using a lot of this sort of finality language, if that makes sense. Um, Yeah, I I understand that sentiment a little bit. I mean, I, I mean, I would not be, I would not be surprised in the least if, if someone picks him up. Um, He's too good of a coach to to be with a 
any P5 school, top tier P5 school would be lucky to have him. But yeah, yeah. and this is, if I could cut in, this is, um, this is not my thought. I want to attribute to this to uh, UCF's director of broadcasting, Mark Daniels, who talked about this on his show in the morning, his radio show. But uh, um, uh, during this, I guess, reflective period he had, he definitely thought about the fact that um, the pressure at schools such as schools such as Auburn in schools, especially when, you know, the other team in your state is Nick Saban in Alabama. And the fact that you have to perform constantly and, and you don't want to bend to the will of the boosters who talk so much and, 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 and provide so much for universities, especially in the South and the SEC, um, that a lot of people don't understand that sometimes the boosters are the ones making the decision, not even the athletic directors. And the fact that UCF is most likely not going to do that to him compared on any level compared to Auburn or compared to any other high profile SEC or, you know, big 12 or ACC job in the future, he could stick around for the fact that he will have most of the control on this team he even said that one of his favorite things to do as a coach is to be the full signal caller um or not signal caller but to call the plays to to really run the offense he he doesn't like to step back but he was basically forced to in auburn so he made it extremely clear that he's taking that power back so correct and the boosters the boosters at auburn told him he if he wanted to be the coach he couldn't call plays right so we'll we'll see i mean it would be great if he ended up being our you know bobby bowden or our uh, at fsu or our gary anderson at tcu uh something like that i mean imagine having that uh, that sort of a presence for 10, 15 years. Correct. Okay. Well, is that, is that it for the gush fest? (laughs) I I guess. I'll gush gush at the fact that UCF baseball beat the number one team. Yes. Ah, yes. Andrew was tweeting about that. Yeah. Oh, one other thing I'll, I'll mention about promo the- code love lady, because apparently when yeah. love lady steps away from the team, <laughs> it's disastrous. Yeah. It's um, our current head coach, Greg love lady who uh, won the national championship in the two in 2000 or 2001 with UM. Um, he was diagnosed with COVID to start the season. So he had to step away and we went, had a really shitty start to the season. One and three, and we let up like forty-five runs in the first. It was it three was games insanity. or four games. <laughs> it was it was insanity. We lost to Stetson once, and uh, FAU twice. And FAU twice, which was a freaking. It, it was football games. Forget baseball; they were football games, basically, with the kind of scores we're talking. 
Um, he comes back and we take two of three from Ole Miss and we almost won the third, but we choked it in the last inning. Um, well, we almost, we almost won the second game. We did win. Right. The third. It was a double header. So it's, it's a little weird, but yeah. So, and then one last thing about Danny White kind of touching on that a bit is White made it clear when he came in that he wanted UCF to be a top 25 athletic department, not just football, not just basketball. He wanted the whole athletic department to be top tier. And he really accomplished that. I mean, uh, for example, the men's and women's tennis teams have upset, not really upset anymore. It's to be expected. They've they've upset these top tier you know top ranked teams. Uh, women's basketball is one of the top in the country. Unfortunately, they lost tonight to the Bulls, but they have the best, the fewest points allowed in all of college basketball. Um, cheerleading took the national championship last year. Um, like it's we're legitimately an all around strong athletic department, which can really be attributed to Danny White. So the future is bright. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Now, now my gushing is done. If you want <laughs> to, uh, it's nine o'clock, Andrew. Are you going to stick around or you really have to go? Uh, let me. Let me step aside for a second, and I'll let you know. Okay. All right. Well, uh, because we can, I, I wanted to do Gottlieb's goons just so we can touch on that before you, if you have to go, just so we can get your opinion on these two people that I'm gonna highlight. So yeah, let's. Okay. I can take a few minutes. That's fine. Okay, Gottlieb's goons, where we call people out in the sports world. I want to start with uh, Dick Pick Mick, everybody. <laughs> Mickey Calloway. We talked about you a couple weeks back or so, a few episodes ago. It was just kind of like a little preview that first happened and stuff. Okay, all right. But now, now, now things have come out about you. And we all, well, it's not really alliteration because it's not all the same letter, but it's, it is rhyming. And Charles loves him some rhymes. I love me some rhymes. Yeah, I but like spit bars and say <laughs> rhymes. I'm basically a five-year-old rapper. <laughs> and uh, Dick Pick Mick is a good one. I'll tell you that much. Then, if there's one thing the New York Mets were good at, it was coming up with that name <laughs> under the Mickey Calloway's regime. There. Oh boy. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that came out. He's been accused of certain things. Very, he, I mean. This, this goon, <laughs> this Gottlieb goons can be extended to a whole bevy of people. Oh, yeah. Involved. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, this is, this, but I mean, this yeah. is straight up like, oh, my goodness gracious, dude. What? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, he deserves all of it, but now you can do. The Cleveland Indians organization because they were aware of it and didn't mm-hmm. shit about it, and they were and you know and now the Mets. <laughs> yep. 
it's a mess. Yeah, the angels have suspended him, and they will likely. I think they're gonna. I mean, come on. He what? What is he? He's a what is he? The hitting coach or pitching coach or something like that? Yeah, yeah he's a pitching coach. Okay. Yeah, he's their pitching coach. Oh, right, because he was a pitcher. So that that's that's expendable, right? <laughs> For sure. And the Angels have always sucked at pitching. It's not like they're going to get any better. You guys are going to waste Mike Trout's career anyways. What's he going to do? Teach Julio Tehran how to get the right angle on a photo on Snapchat? Come on. Get <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all about the angle. All right. Gosh darn it. If only we had that Manscaped sponsorship. It would have been perfect for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Mickey Calloway's dick pic sponsored by Manscaped. Oh my god. Uh, can we, like, uh, when you put it on the podcast name, I know we're on the I'm sorry, podcast, Andrew. But, uh, you have to go. You have to basically kind of call it the, uh, it's all about the angles for Goose 95. <laughs> I could read. Yeah, for the podcast, I could do that. It's crazy. Oh boy! All right, so yeah, all right, make it count. You're one, and the other one. Gosh, what was this woman's name? The freaking one from the NFL Network, Jane Slater. That's that's the one. Her, Jane Slater. So she got first female goon. No, we've had female goons before. We've had female goons before, but she 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 allowed herself to be roasted on Twitter was it yesterday for it seemed innocent enough right at first it's like hey i'm just hey there's a what unpaid internship at the nfl network right who's up for it who's up for the unpaid internship and i already heard a sigh from brendan and when we've all We've all, I think we've all been there. I mean, we, we were kind we've of, all been there. yeah, we've all the been state there. state of Florida knows what my butt feels like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we've all been there. And she's like, ah, you know, I, I thought it was innocent enough just trying to get somebody some, an opportunity to be in the NFL network. But Twitter was not having it. It's like, oh, come on, man. NFL network, NFL makes billions of dollars per year. They can pay a young kid in their early 20s to, to work for them. And Poor she was free. and she was like, oh, I had to. And then then it was like, oh, I had to hustle when, when I was in college working two jobs and doing an unpaid internship. And, and then people started looking for some receipts. And they found out her, her granddaddy is like the chili king of Texas. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know I, don't, I think that's like a, I think that's a, a official title in the state government of Texas I, I have no idea but either way he was like the CEO of like a big gigantic chili company that I guess officially was proclaimed the chili of the state of Texas in some sort of thing I mean, or contest I have no idea but regardless she, and she are all chili chili Hormel save a lot it's chili right yeah. I don't know. Uh, uh, well, actually, that that's one of, that's one of my future conquests that I want to do this uh, this year is make my own chili. I think that's yeah. I, I think every I think a midlife crisis requires everybody to try and make their own chili. So I'm getting there. I'm I'm about to Skyline get there. Skyline chili, you won't regret it. Okay. Skyline chili. Okay. Well then, so her granddaddy was helping her along while she was 
quote unquote working two jobs and stuff like that. And so Twitter let her have it. People from all walks of life saying, yeah, to check her privilege. She didn't check her privilege before she she tweeted this stuff out and she got it, roasted. <laughs> it reminded me a lot of uh yes, the one the only Darren Ravel. Oh. <laughs> when back in 2017 uh, I think it was 2017. It got a lot of storm. storm. Um, but he suggested that um, the the paper in Chicago should just have Northwestern students write for free all their basketball recaps instead of using the AP which is what the Chicago Times should use. But Darren Ravel was like, just have Northwestern students do it for free so you don't have to pay them. <laughs> oh, boy. So you can add that to the list of things Darren Ravel has done <laughs> to make him a fantastic human being. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised we haven't had him on Godly's Goons. Okay, well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> him on Gottlieb's once. Way, 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 way. Oh, okay, I guess so. I mean, we've got Bob Nightingale. He's like the baseball Darren Rovell, so not sure. But, yeah, this is... Well, we... I mean, gosh, we... we Actually, we're getting paid for this episode, so I can't... <laughs> this is not an unpaid internship right now. <laughs> but we've all been there, but I... I mean, I personally can't talk about it as far as the sports media or journalism. I don't know if you guys can, especially you, Brendan. But it's a struggle, right? Waving, waving an unpaid internship during this time is incredibly insulting, right now. And there's no, there's no um, beating around the bush on that. It's incredibly insulting to say, "Hey, by the way, a lot of your." A lot of your full-time staff who have worked for teams uh, have been laid off, and a lot of layoffs have occurred in journalism over this past year because simply, you know, it's not through any of their fault of their own, but to the point where these teams don't know what their budget is because their budget is based on fans, it's based on tickets, it's based on concessions and selling, and then you just... It's gone. And so everybody's like, well, well, crap, I don't know what to do. I guess we have to start laying off staff writers and laying off this and laying off that. So waving an unpaid internship into somebody's face right now in the journalism industry is a complete slap in the face. That's my point. <laughs> That's all I got. Yeah, people, people went deep in Twitter. I, I went, I doom scrolled. I went down the, I went down. The, people went deep as far as like, I, I think it was that is insulting because of the times. It was also insulting because of the person that was tweeting this out and tweeting like she went through struggles and then maybe, but I guess everything's relative though. That's the thing. Everything's relative. And her personal struggles may not be the same as everyone else's. When you got uh, Granddaddy Chili Dog funding everything. So it's not like she was, quote unquote, truly struggling. Whereas a bunch of other people were saying, well, I had to work 
a job or two jobs just to make ends meet and it wasn't a fun thing because sometimes people who people were like yeah you know i've had some rich friends and like they they were like oh it'd be fun to have a job and it's like no it's not fun for me i have to have this job or else i don't eat or have shelter or have clothes and especially or have an education a higher education and also if if the unpaid internship is out there being waved about but you can't take it because you actually have to work and you can't and you you can't afford to not work and thus you miss out on an opportunity a grand opportunity and yeah maybe you are qualified to work for the NFL network maybe you are qualified maybe to to get out there but you know, it's somebody who may has the opportunity to get there. So sometimes it's not. Sometimes they might have parents who are maybe middle class and are trying to help them out. But still, there are struggles there. But sometimes you get some people who can be funded the entire way, and it's easy, and they get the job, and and uh, you you miss out an opportunity in the NFL misses out on another opportunity and yes uh, diversifying all that stuff and the nfl has had issues with that and rooney rules there and things like that but now it's going it's there are lots of gigantic uh socioeconomic issues and in <laughs> within this tweet right here bu already commented that unpaid internship should be illegal and yeah there there it's not just in the sports industry either. It's for a lot of other things. A lot of, I mean, gosh, man, even even in our fields, we unpaid internships. And yes, you try and get the experience. And I get that. And people who are for it are like, yeah, you're getting the experience. You get to put that on the resume. You know, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so imagine. So I don't need to reel about unpaid internships. You're not really thrown into thick of things, and you're not giving out as much that could be actually recommendable for most times on a resume. It's different for each field, but you're not given as much opportunity to even get there. So it, it, it's a double-edged sword coming mm -hmm. into it. So an unpaid internship might seem nice, but if you're only just reviewing documents, proofreading, and I'm trying to make it more translated yep. to our field than our field, that, that, but that, it's kind of tough because that's, that's we, familiar. even as unpaid, yeah, even us as unpaid interns, we couldn't appear in speaking court, right? Because if we didn't have our CLEs ready. Mm -hmm. So as I'm going there interviewing against these people who are seasoned and they're saying, hey, um, have you appeared in court? No, because I just now got barred and you're going to hold that edge for me. So sometimes the unpaid internships don't even get you to long road of what you want so it's basically slavery the the, the um, entry level of was yeah. it looking for entry level positions need five years of experience yeah. already it's like oh my god to, to be honest you're harvey weinsteining anybody you're oh, plain and simple because we don't want to, we just want to make it man and you're telling us that we have to give ourselves up for maybe a letter of recommendation but depending where you work and how many people are out there you might not get that actual growth and development um for your business man can I interject really quick? Go um, ahead. I need to run, but before I do, I have a couple of things I want to say. Mm. Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> first, uh, the state of Minnesota Department of Transportation held a contest to name 
a new class of snow plows. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, Internet contest. Yes. The winners are in alphabetical order: Darth Blader, <laughs> <laughs> Duck Duck Orange Truck. Okay. Perfect. I wrote that one. F Salt Fitzgerald. Aha. Uh-huh. Yes. Oak's just going to plow right past you. It's a, it's a Midwesterner joke. Um, because when you need to get past somebody or if you bump into someone accidentally, it's just it's just <laughs> like a reaction. They'll say, oh. Yeah. Um, next, we've got Plow Bunyan. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Uh, naturally, we had to have Plowy McPlowface. Ah, that's what I was looking for. That's what I was uh, looking for. Snowby Juan Kenobi. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, the truck formerly known as Plow. Uh, nobody went for... Um, oh, no, they probably already have a Mr. Plow in their line of... Their fleets of snow plows. Possibly. Um, and then second before I head off, uh, Brendan, thank you again for coming on. It's always a pleasure having you, um, especially because you you basically are the third sports goof when it comes to NBA because I'm completely useless. Um, so first, second, I thank you guys for holding down the fort the past couple of weeks while I have not existed in anything other than studying. Uh, it is wonderful to be back. Um, and I'm looking forward to not having to do this anytime soon where I have to miss shows and I am thankful to you guys and thankful to whoever's watching. I agree with BU unpaid internship should be illegal, should be illegal. Peace out, gentlemen. I will talk to you later. All right, Andrew. Okay. Ciao. Okay. All right. So the, the, those are our Gartleaves goons for for that. So we're okay, guys. We're at the two hour mark. I don't think we're gonna get all this NBA stuff done. I don't, I don't think so. We have to. Do you want to bullet point it? Okay. On the east. Okay. Let's yeah. Let's just uh, bullet point it then. Uh, Raptors. They they <laughs> they are they need a break. <laughs> it's not going well in Tampa. Uh, or as well as they thought it would, they probably should have. They should have. They should have played in Buffalo. <laughs> Maybe less distractions, less COVID. I have no idea. Not sure. Less pressure to to be a championship caliber team like their 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 hockey team and the it's, and the NFL team in town. Water. Yeah, yeah. So so that's. I mean, the Leafs are doing good. That's weird. Well, that's not weird. They're doing good in the regular season. Then they'll find a way to fall apart in the playoffs. So that's there. There's my hockey comment for for the week. <laughs> so, yeah. Then uh, the Miami Heat. Well, actually, no. The Boston Celtics. They're they're number six seed. It's, they're struggling, man. They well, are. All I'll say to the Boston Celtics is when your uh, president of operations goes on a local radio show and says our roster is not very good. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're not gonna win. <laughs> he he said you, this you roster is not constructed to players. compete. <laughs> he 
said, our roster is not very good on a local Boston radio station. <laughs> and when you have a roster that's full of Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Campbell Walker, and you say, our roster is not very good, something's wrong. <laughs> and you're not going to win. Yep. I'm sorry. I've, I've heard that they are lazy. I, I saw a video. I think I don't know if you've seen... Uh, Brennan, I don't know if you see somebody on YouTube called Andy Hoops, but he does some pretty good videos. Uh, he's a Knicks fan. I, I don't get what... What's with Knicks and Mets fans being pretty darn good on YouTube and breaking down like their individual sports? Maybe because of all the misery. That it's could be misery. it. <laughs> that's, why Brown, that's why Browns fans are good. That's why Knicks <laughs> fans are good. They are just... Nice. <laughs> Any other team where, is just better. To the point where everybody in the league, which is odd for New York teams, but everybody who follows the league are like, wow, New York. <laughs> that's, that's when you know it's bad, is when you're rooting for a New York team to do well. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Boston, the, they've had issues. Um, and Tatum's had some issues with post-COVID symptoms or effects. He said he's 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 getting tired more than normal, so he's still struggling with that. But okay, next the Miami Heat. Well, Ch- Charles and I talk about them pretty much uh, uh, every episode of these past three weeks for the most part, except for the hockey one. You mean my ginger baby? Yeah, That's that. All I'm asking. For. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and Jimmy, we J- we need Jimmy to be healthy. All right, and give me my man crush. Yeah. I think he's earned an opportunity to just see how he He's had some pretty good I'm games. Not... He he's yeah. relentless on the boards. I'm not saying 25 minutes. I'm not saying 30 minutes. What I'm saying is start the game out maybe with him in there and then pop in um Olenek. You see that happen with bigs and Olenek's not bad, but it is noticeable when we lose, it's because he's like 4 of 11. Mm. And oh, yeah. it's like, meh. and Precious is just going to develop because I don't think we're resigning Kelly unless he's willing to take that pay cut because I believe his contract expires this year. So let me see what I got. Let me see my Precious. I, I think he basically will max out being the equivalent of a more, I guess, silky smooth bam shooter on the bench. I don't think he goes out of that, but that's sometimes what happens when you draft so high or so low, I guess, in the draft the way that we do. Um, I just want to see because... The East feels, and I think you both will agree with me, the East feels like anybody's game because Brooklyn doesn't really scare me, possibly because of their health. And you know how I feel about the 76ers. And Brennan, to, uh, to bring back frauds. Yeah, we'll <laughs> get there. That's how I feel about yeah. it. <laughs> I've been saying it for years. <laughs> okay. Yay. Next. We'll go with that. Uh, the New York Knicks. They are actually above 500, everybody. They did it. And the surprise, the, wonderful team of the East. The fans are already <laughs> planning the parade. <laughs> it seems already. Tibbs is true to his word and to his reputation on being a really good defensive coach. Uh, he, I mean, Tibbs, yeah, Tibbs gonna Tibbs. Yeah. Yes. So RJ Barrett is not playing up to a fourth pick in the draft or whatever his ranking was. That's why I got him back. Yeah. So they're eighteen and seventeen. There. I don't. I don't know what he got out of uh, Alfred Payton, <laughs> but Tibbs is getting everything out of Alfred Payton. Mm-hmm. It's called Alfred Payton doesn't want to be the uh, guy who was the turnaround, you know, bust in the NBA. So yeah. his last good chance. Pretty much. Okay. And yeah. shout out Emmanuel quickly. 
Yeah. That's what I got for him. Yeah. And, uh, Julius Ke- Randall? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> Whoa, I almost died there. Uh, so, uh, and I saw a video also about Kevin Knox that was basically, it was titled Kevin Knox Sucks. <laughs> and I'm just like, well, all right, this is great clickbait. I'm going to click on this. And it's like, yeah, he's slightly improved this year, but he's definitely uh, probably not coming back once he's left to his own devices. Anyways, okay, next. The Milwaukee Bucks. They're 21-13. Are, are they just kind of coasting for now and just not really... I think you're going to see the same thing you see from them every year is hype and then they get to the playoffs and they don't do anything. Okay. (laughs) Agreed. Yeah. That's what's going to happen again. Uh, Brooklyn, the new look Brooklyn Nets. Humble pie time. Go ahead, Charles. Yeah. 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 Because when, um, I forgot our, our other guest name. We have too many guests. Someone Andrew was gone. I want to say his name was John too, but there was too many Johns as well. Um, but Brooklyn, we we said Harden was not going to be the problem, and we said Harden KD was not going to be a problem. I felt it was going to be Harden and Kyrie, and now you're seeing more Harden and Kyrie together, and it's it's just gelling. You know, Steve Nash giving props to that. Do I think they're going to be a NBA Finals team? That's a Western team if anything's ever been written on it, but you can easily see that team at the moment um, possibly get to the NBA Finals, and they don't really look worse for wear for giving up um, Jared Allen and Karis LeVert in that trade either. It's looking good. I mean, maybe there's that downfall where if Kyrie gets hurt, can Harden sustain it by himself, and we know he can't necessarily do it as our production in Houston, or as his production in Houston showed, but humble pie. It's healthy for you. Gives you your vitamins. Good for me, I guess, for being an adult. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and not to mention, they have they have those pieces that other teams don't. I mean, mm-hmm. if you want to have if you want to have your three shooters, you also have uh, DeAndre Jordan, who can rebound for you, and that's all he wants to do is rebound. He's going to try to put up you know seven points per game, but he knows what he they know their roles on the team, you know. You know what uh, sharpshooter and uh, NBA accountant Joe Harris is going to do. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. shoot threes and then do the executive's taxes later. Like, you know what he's going to do. God, Joe Harris just looks like an accountant that got lucky. That's all I <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can. Okay. And uh, finally, the 76ers. There it is. That's what you I was listening. You call them frauds. <laughs> I don't call them frauds. I, I went in yes. depth on it last show um, when we had to really make time, and I'll just kind of <laughs> really bullet point it. It's you hired the perfect coach to for the team that you want to be, which is just a very good. But can you be great in the playoffs? And I, I look to Doc Rivers' credibility. I look to my aunt to Ben Simmons. I like Joel. I think everybody likes Joel, but this, you got to show me, man. You got to prove it to me because every year was supposed to be the year the last couple of years, right? And last year was not a good year for them, but 
I'm just going to say ride that wave because congratulations, you, you're going to do exactly what the very low floor, it feels like you have created, which is um, basically, you know, getting to the playoffs. Cause that's a te- that's what, what the fan base would want, right? When your ownership has basically, and your administrators have basically sold you out to basically sucking for so many years, they don't deserve that, but that's what you thought. But now what happens? The, granted, I will say this, this year's team is vastly different because they did what made them successful two years ago, which put shooters around um, with uh, the other Curry brother, not Steph, which I bet he hates being referred to, but Seth. Until is it sh- Seth Curry? Seth. Yeah, 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 Seth. Yeah, uh, it's just Luigi. Too many S's, too many Currys. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, right, right now he's like the Waluigi, but he's fine. <laughs> but until you show me that you can actually get to the finals, even getting to the Eastern Conference Finals means nothing to me. And good luck if you get to the Eastern Conference Finals because what do you want to be? The runner-up? Second best? What do you say? They need a chip. Well, we talked about it last week, yeah. The one thing when I was awake was uh, they need a championship to justify this, the, the process. They really do. They need one. They do. They need one, and what they'll need this year is someone to come off the bench and be a star. That's one. I mean, Shake Milton is trying. I'll give him that. But they need someone else, and they need you know someone better. They need someone better than Furkan Korkmaz to come off the bench. Could you see? And, could you see a, a reunion of Blake Griffin and Doc Rivers? Ooh. Mm-hmm. Ooh. That, that, they're gonna have to make some salad. I mean, work. they need they need someone else other than Dwight Howard, as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, side somewhere. He's in Sacramento. But Joel's off the court in your next. I, I saw him coming off the bench when the when I saw. Oh yeah, we forgot to do what games that we watched last week. I saw the freaking Kings game against the, the Hornets and how they choked that game away. I'm like, ah. And now that I looked at the stats of the Kings, I, I was completely lost on them. And I'm like, oh, this all makes sense. This all makes sense for the Sacramento Kings. And yeah, yeah, Hassan's out there now, by the way. I, I will I will say Matisse Thibel is doing well off the bench. I will say mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So that's, uh, yeah, okay. Eastern Conference. This took longer than I thought, but whatever. We'll do the Western Conference next week. That's fine. That's fine. All right. Well, oh gosh, I had this on Gottlieb's Goons the entire time. Whatever, it doesn't matter. We, we, we sped through the last portion of it. Brendan, you get the option. Do you want to stick around for the last, I don't know. <laughs> well, Charles, you, you would, uh, 15, 20 minutes, I guess? It, it, might be, it might be 15. Okay. And I think I could shade it to 15, <laughs> but it, it's, it's a big one. It's a big one, boys. Is it your, your wrestling Yes, it is, and not just one promotion has done some chicanery. All the promotions. <laughs> we had the gangbang of time. I mean, changes some stuff happened. happened. I mean, <laughs> Soldier Boy is in un- more funny Soldier Boy now. Like, <laughs> yeah. there's a pay per view coming up. <laughs> titles are getting unified. Now you're gonna have to pay attention on. to Parker Boudreaux. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, UCF I, is I, in I'm on this that too. Yeah, Andrew even got involved in it. I was like, hey, this is great. I, I literally feel as if, you know, this chicken little, the sky is falling, and it is up to me to save Gosh, the world darn it. and inform those people who just want to know why men in tights were awfully sweaty me more than the erotic sense of it. Yeah, I tried. Big Show couldn't make I it on tried. Netflix? Dear Lord. 
a lot of oh, stuff. That, that too. Oh my! The, it, Let, guys, let's go. I, I could. All let's right, well, go. Unfortunately, before we begin, I have not eaten dinner. Okay. So. All right then. <laughs> I will listen to. I will listen to it post. Well, yeah, the well, yeah, we'll we'll I'll send the authority of ten thousand tweets as our guests are want to know. I should probably Andrew should warn people about that. By the way, every time he gets a guest, listen, Francisco's gonna like tag you on like forty thousand oh, tweets fun. over the next week. So speaking of tweets, follow our good buddies all the time that you can. F J O J R, Charles the True, Damn Free Hole, Sports Goofs, and Brendan. Put yourself out there if you want at, to. At B Rourke Sports. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Well, Brendan, if you gotta go. You gotta get some. You, you gotta. gotta go. What are you, what are you getting? Taco Bell. What are you getting, man? <laughs> no, no, I'm gonna find something in the bottom of the fridge that should have been eaten a week ago. But <laughs> pretty much, yeah, that's that's what you get. Thanks, journalists. <laughs> <laughs> okay. For those unpaid internships. Oh boy. All right, man. Thank you for joining uh, us. Oh no, thank you. I appreciate it. Ciao. Okay. All right, are we segueing? Yeah, and your, your graphics up. up. All right, welcome everybody to your weekly Truplex The Cage with Charles. Full disclaimer, wrestling is not fake. It is scripted. It is a stage fight. It is ballet. It is poetry in motion. It's sometimes a love story. It's sometimes the underdog story. Sometimes about chasing glory, chasing your dreams. And boy, there's been a lot of chasing. But what do we know about chasing? Something's got to happen. Either... You trip and you fall and you give up, just like Charles when he goes for that extra mile and sprains an MCL all too conveniently, or you catch up with what you want, and now you have it in your hands. Sometimes it's about people just beating the pure piss out of each other, and sometimes it's about making your own name on the Mount Rushmore Wrestling. Francisco, holy crap, so much has happened. <laughs> and I, I, I'm going to go and what, just get a When I know away. what's going down, you know a lot of stuff has happened. Yeah, and when I and for anybody who's wondering what the machinations of the sports group group chat looks like, when I sent a flurry of Twitter stuff, of memes, and holy crap, this is happening, it's big. So we're gonna go AEW first because ironically, that's like the smallest segment coming into it. They have a pay per view coming up, Revolution. I believe it is this weekend, the seventh. I need to kind of like verify that, but. There's the thing we have to talk about, too, is in addition to their pay-per-view and the car that they're going to have. Yeah, it's March 7th. All right. They have wrestling tomorrow with their dubbing as Crossroads. The big thing that you need to know about from tomorrow's Dynamite is Shaq is wrestling. <laughs> so that's been like <laughs> yes. a little story that's kind of been <laughs> developing. And long story short, TNT needs to make sure that this wrestling program gets more money so now Shaq who has been known to be a wrestling fan he never got his match with the big show as it was supposed to be a mania and he, he's always kind of been there and he is a larger in life personality is now teaming up with Jade Cargill who um she's been signed with uh AEW almost called WCW sorry sorry Tony Khan sorry uh Cody follow us on Twitter um and they're going against Cody Rhodes and um, Red Velvet. Originally, it was supposed to be Brandy Rhodes, but Brandy's pregnant. So now they have Red Velvet in between. And it's going to be a mixed tag match that's coming into it. Um, I'll watch it just to see how bad it is. Because Shaq, oh, man. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, that is not a wrestling body what, whatsoever. And he's not out of shape or out of weight or anything. That guy's like 7'1", man. And he's like, what, close to 50 now, if not over? It's going to be a little slow. And 
it's one of those things where people give flack to the WWE about bringing old timers or something. People are getting flack for getting Bad Bunny, but Bad Bunny is a younger demographic. Bad Shaq Bunny is forty-eight is years old. Yeah, forty-eight. I knew he was close to it. Um, he still could probably bust our asses in basketball to this day. Mm. And they're giving WWE flack for getting outsiders for the sports entertainment aspect of it, and also they're using Bad Bunny for their you know wanting to get to the Latino demographics or the Latinx demographics, whatever it's dubbed these days. What do you think AEW is doing kind of getting Shaq? You know, you're getting everybody who knows Shaq, who likes him as a personality, anybody who's invested in basketball um, on the same brand, the same viewerships that's openly accessible. You talk about, okay, we talk about us being sellouts or whatever. Shaq has never met a, a, a sponsorship opportunity that he didn't like. <laughs> Shaq is an aspiration. It's, yeah. He's a dream. And yeah. we love him coming into it. Um, and it's funny because it makes me think about Pat McAfee when he wrestled an NXT, when he wrestled against Adam Cole at TakeOver and he did the TakeOver War Games. So I will watch it. I don't know if I like it. I'll presumably hate it, but I'll tell you this. My my critique of special guest wrestlers is very it, – it's low. It's not too bad. As long as I'm entertained – like there's wrestling and there's sports entertainment. As long as I'm sports entertained, I'm going to be happy. Going to AEW Revolution, we have the exploding barbed wire death matches. This is kind of what I hate about pay-per-views happening when our shows happen on Tuesdays because I feel like the shows that do happen, because WWE has what? Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. AEW just has Wednesday. We're on a show on Tuesday. I always feel like I need to create a side snippet to kind of say, hey, this is what's fully developing leading into it. But they're doing an exploding barbed wire death match between Kenny Omega and John Moxley. Um, there probably will be blood. Hopefully it is better than their winter is coming paper or not pay-per-view, but TV match that they had, because I was not a fan of it. Kenny is defending his title against Moxley. We know pure chicanery is going to happen. We know it's not necessarily going to lead anything. And it's just going to further the cross promotional brands. And I'm probably going to hate it. Also, I can't pay $50 cause I'm a hustler. Okay. I'm cheap, but I will make sure to watch the YouTube moments. I'm hoping that this kind of gives Kenny a reign that is a clean victory because remember he won the title off of Mox because Don Cal's threw a little mic phone and kenny hit him street fight tag team match brian cage ricky sarts team taz versus sting and darby allen that's right speaking of old timers and how people will get on wwe for saying hey they're bringing a goldberg you're bringing in 62 year old sting and it's not even going to be a cinematic fight but a street fight you can kind of like not do suplexes and stuff like that he took a power bomb and i was scared let this be sting's last match or second last match let him ride off into the sunset because remember what happened with him and he wrestled in wwe he took a buckle bomb from Seth. Something hurt his nerves really badly, and he just collapsed. And then he had to retire because he wasn't cleared. He does deserve the proper send-off. In a street fight, it's kind of weird because I, I can't recall seeing ever really doing street fights. I didn't watch him in the TNA worlds, but you got to make do with what you have, right? It's like getting temporary crown on your teeth. You know, she ain't a beauty, but she'll do until the real one comes in. Prediction-wise, Sting and Allen win. You can't have Sting lose, right? You, you can't. You can't. But watch him do it, but you can't do it. Um, going further into it, Young Bucks versus Chris Jericho, MJF, the storyline, the inner circle is breaking apart. Young Bucks will retain, I'm guessing, but I think the, uh, the inner circle led by Chris Jericho will fully dissolve. Um, plus there might finally further a few between Young Bucks and Gallows and Anderson, the good brothers who are supposed to all be friends, part of the cross promotion branding. Cause this is the problem. Am I going to get a real pay-per-view to highlight the stars or are we just going to get something that's just going to be for the cross-promotional branding? I think we'll get both. AEW's Women's Championship match is going to happen. 
Mika Rushida will go against whoever her number one contender is. They haven't finalized it yet. They'll probably finalize it tomorrow. It's going to be Thunder Rosa versus Nyla Rose. Fully expect Thunder Rosa to win. I don't know if she's been fully signed, but I will say this. Hikaru hasn't necessarily done much. She has, but she hasn't. Part of it is because the virus and part of it is just because the lack of um, challengers. I wouldn't expect if Thunder Rosa, Thunder Rosa did win, um, I would expect her to win against Hikaru. If not, it's Nyla Rose. They have some history. Um, Hikaru took the title off of Nyla Rose originally, but um, I'm guessing Thunder Rosa wins. AEW face a revolution ladder match. Think of it as whoever gets wins the ladder match gets a shot at the TNT championship, not the main championship. I don't like it like that. Why can't they just win the championship? That's why wouldn't you want a ladder match for the biggest title? Why does that have to get to be the number one contender for a mid-card title? And I understand Cody's whole presumption of there is no mid-card titles, the person who elevates it, but I'm like, man, it's kind of dumb. You could just put it as the main title because that's what some of the gimmick matches should be for, my personal opinion. Maybe people are like, shut up, Grandpa, but Grandpa likes to think that he's right. I don't know. If I'm going to bust my butt. And the problem is, too, is the talent in there is main event level. Lance Archer's main event level. Um pentagon is definitely man of that level i like scorpio side but he is actually more tnt um, focused in my opinion i do think that scorpio sky wins it i know they're going to have 10 from the dark order enter in there might be a surprise person we'll see what happens there they say lance archer that's whatever they have chuck taylor and orange cassidy uh best friends who i i think they're hilarious versus miro and kip sabian Eh, story hasn't been great it'll probably be um the best friends matt harry versus hangman page continuing the love story of um hangman page and dark order versus big money matt and it's a money stipulation so whoever wins gets like their quarter profits of it you watch bte you know the storyline the size between matt hardy and the dark order trying to get hangman in a you know basically i was gonna say twist of fate but that's too too funny and also probably not the same thing uh tug of war we'll say of his love um and i believe that's the matches there oh they're doing a uh battle royale for number one contendership tag teams well i'll say what i will say is this I do like the fact that we have number one contendership matches now that on the pay-per-view, because that's something the WWE is kind of sorely missing. You get that in New Japan sometimes, but I think it's a good focal point to show the talent and allow them to get matches as contenders to win their contendership without having the impediments of um, TV time or the damn announcers plugging in some stupid little thing. This is sponsored by Burger King. You need to have something that's easier and go from there. New Japan, big stuff, dude. Big stuff have happened here. And I can't stress enough of it. Not as big as uh, WWE yet, but this is still big stuff coming in. So a couple storylines. Hirokumu Takahashi, I think I said it right for once. I like him. I call him Japanese pep. He was the junior heavyweight champion. He's hurt. He vacates his title. Um, then what they did at the Road to Castle attack was have a triple threat match, which is kind of rare lately. And they had him, uh, not him, but they had El Desperado, El Fantismo, and then, oh, God, it was the other guy, Bushi, uh, challenge for the junior heavyweight. What's a junior heavyweight title? Basically, the cruiserweight title. What's the cruiserweight title? Anybody who's under a certain weight class. Junior heavyweight, heavyweight. Plain and simple, right? Um, El Despi wins it. He's also the junior heavyweight tag titles. They have won those over El Fantismo and um, Taichi. So, um, or Taisukuge. I can never say. It's like watching Naruto. I don't know the names. I'll just call them fancy stuff or my hero academia fancy stuff. So now basically um, El Despi has two titles. He's a tag team champion for the juniors and he's also the junior heavyweight championship. And then we get Kota Ibushi versus uh, Tetsuya Naito. We know my love for Naito. We know my appreciation for 
Bushi, uh, Ibushi, and we know that Kota has been carrying both the IWGP Heavyweight Championship and the IWGP uh, Intercontinental Championship. And the story between the two of them was that Naito isn't going to let Kota unify the titles. He's going to take the title and he's going to retire it. Good match. What happens? Kota wins. What do they do? They have now unified the championships. So there is no longer a IWGP Intercontinental title. There is no longer an IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Now it is the IWGP World Championship. Kind of big. Granted, some people who are bigger into New Japan than I am, essentially saying it doesn't matter. Intercontinental title hasn't mattered since um, Shinsuke Nakamura left to go to WWE, but I always felt that was kind of an important title. I think it's good to kind of put the Never title, the Never Openweight title, I guess is how they formally say it, as your next mid-card title. But um, I was just kind of surprised. I'm expecting a new belt design as well. I'm fine with it getting rid of the double belts. Probably the problem with New Japan, same problem with all wrestling organizations that they had too many championships. And that can get confusing because in New Japan, it's it was the Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship and then you had the Never Openweight title and then you had the US Championship that they had as trying to get over a US fame. And that's why Moxley still has it. But then you had the Junior Heavyweight Championships, the Tag Team Championships and the Junior Heavyweight Championships. I felt that Tag Team Championships and I felt the simple solution was just get rid of the Junior Weight class. Kota was a cruiserweight for a while. He probably still is. It's just they won't rank him as that. Um, and maybe they will in the future, but you got to make it concise. But big stuff happened. Other little things from New Japan. Kazuko Okada wants in on it. They have the New Japan Cup that's coming in. Winner usually gets the title at the main title. And also at the uh, at the anniversary show, it's going to be El Despi, who won all those titles. That he's like uh, Despi two belts. Is going to be challenging Kota for the new, or not the new, but the final unified title before it's unified, and then they'll have the new ones there. So I was like, oh, man, this is big. And then going to WWE, and ah, man, there's just too much going on for me. I'm trying to bullet point. I think I'm doing a good job at it because we don't have a pay-per-view coming up soon. We got Fastlane. That's March 21st. I don't think I got anything on NXT that's really kind of going. Um, NXT, I will say this, that comes to mind. Um, I love what's going on with Adam Cole and breaking up the Undisputed Era. The problem is, is that's becoming more interesting than your NXT championship. So you need to bring that all back together. Uh, Santos Escobar and Karrion Cross had a fantastic street fight on NXT. It was no DQ. It was played well. It made for Santos, who is a cruiserweight champion, and Karrion Cross is basically a walking mountain. You made Escobar look strong against a very good match, kind of worth it. Um some of the other stories that come into it, we'll wait and see. We'll let marinate a little bit. I know I'm missing something, but we'll get to it eventually. At some point, there'll be title matches. Maybe I'll create a Goofs After Dark, or maybe we'll call it cute, something cute, like the Snack Size Sports Goof Session, right? Um, pocket Cage. That's, no, that sounds perverted. We won't call it Pocket Cage. But we look at the other bigger stuff. So remember what we talked about Elimination Chamber last week? And The Miz had the WWE Championship, right? Mm-hmm. And then part of it was that Bobby Lashley had helped Miz beat Drew McIntyre um, to help him cash him in. Well, you know, the bill's always going to be due, man. You know, there, there's a book called The Wheel of Time. When you go to war, they say, what's the butcher's bill, right? I love that. I uh, listened to it. I didn't read it. I listened to an audible pseudoside non-sponsor. But what was the, bit, uh, the butcher's bill? Bobby Lashley won his match, man. And what I liked about it was they delayed Miz being the perfect um, crap heel 
that's into it where he didn't want to fight Miz whatsoever or Bobby at all because Miz knew that he would have lost, presumably lost. They were supposed to wrestle wrestle at 9 p.m. Didn't happen. He had a stomach ache. Miz was feigning cramps. It was pain going on. Then they were saying, okay, you have to wrestle at 10 p.m. And then what does Miz do? The minute the ring bell, uh, the bell rings, he runs, grabs his title, and runs away for a 10 count because Bobby Lashley has benefited the most since the pandemic started. He went on this terrific run as U.S. champion. The Hurt Business just boomed up. He is the CEO of the Hurt Business. Look at that man. Spoiler to what you're seeing, but look at that man, that physique. I, I wouldn't want to approach him. He is terrified. I'm sure he's a nice guy, but where he was two years ago, I'm like, he'd probably be the guy who will fist bump you. Now I think he would just like fist my butt because that's a scary dude right there, right? And then the third time in the same night was, it was last 10 minutes. So I, that's why I know I'm like, all right, Bobby's going to win it. But then they did a lumberjack match and he just decimated, decimated um, the Miz. And then he won his championship, his first WWE championship of the first time that he's been with the company for 15, well, not 15 years, but he's waited 15 years because he left to go to TNA and then came back a little bit. But you've built him. You've made him into a monster. Vince, for the love of God, do not let him have this just so Drew McIntyre can win it back again so quickly. Drew will have opportunities. He does not need a third title within a calendar year let bobby have this let him be a monster don't let it be a cheap way because for once in my life in a long time it feels like francisco we have a guy who legitimately looks like a champion um granted you could say hey you had brock and all that stuff but brock isn't as much of an everyday presence the way bobby would be and i think he's gonna be a fighting champion i think he'll beat some people up i don't think he'll have the chicken you know shit heel that would just run away the way miz was and miz you did your job perfectly and i hate the fact that he only had seven days to enjoy the ring but you knew you were going to be a transitional champion what this means for mania i do feel that it will be drew and um Bobby Lashley. I don't think Miz is going to be involved because he's going to be wrestling against Bad Bunny in a tag team match. All things considered, that's the way it should be. But don't kind of bastardize the title by doing all this hot potatoing that you've done within the last couple months, going back to the same guy. Because let me ask you this, and I mentioned it last week and I hold to it again. Are you a great champion if you had to hold about three times within 12 months? Right? It doesn't work. But congrats to Bobby. You're scary. I'm very happy for you. <laughs> and the Hurt Business is actually a very a great stable now because they hold two sets of titles. They now have the WWE Championship, and they also hold the Raw Tag Team titles because Cedric Alexander and Sheldon Benjamin have it. And what I'm hoping that happens here with Bobby's reign is that it's not a snooze fest the way that Drew's was because Drew started fine. His first feud was against Seth, but it was a one-off match. And then it built into Dolph which and it was, oh, actually it went to Bobby, believe it or not. Yeah, it went to Bobby and then Bobby lost, but they didn't revisit it. And I thought they should. And then it went to Dolph and it was like, nah. And then it went to Randy, which was good. And then Drew lost clean and hell in the cell, but then he was able to win it back on Raw. And now in the second run, it's all just been there. He had Russell Goldberg. You know it's no good when you got a Russell Goldberg for a title. I, I can't get behind that. Now, mind you, we're speaking about, you know, little popping in the pants right now. I'll pop a little bit. If I get Bobby, Drew, and maybe Brock and a triple threat at WrestleMania, I don't know if Brock wants to come back yet. He is technically a free agent, which means just send the money and I'll be there. But that beef, all that beef, all that beef for a guy who loves fast food, all that beef, that's what I want. 
God, could you just even if you just gave me Brock and Bobby? But I think you want the fan base there for the big fight feel. I think you kind of get away with it a little bit with the triple threat because WWE did something very similar to SummerSlam. I think it was 2017 where it was the quad patty, as I called it, of Brock Lesnar, Samoa Joe, Braun Strowman, and Roman Reigns. And it ended with Brock pinning um, Roman. And then the next month, Braun and Brock because they had an interaction, Braun looked dominant and all that stuff. And then they met at No Mercy in a snooze or a match. But you can kind of build that a little bit too. Brock and Bobby, a little bit that mania with Drew as the catalyst in the in-between. And then maybe you give me Brock and Bobby at SummerSlam because you always got to put the big money matches, I feel, on the big four pay-per-views, big five, you count money in the bank because, God, man, that's just money. They're both former MMA fighters. Look at Bobby. Look at him. I call him the mutant raising net because it's like it's literally like that old comic book story that you have from the Cartoon Network or whatever, where it's like, oh, radioactive mutant hit this thing, and now it created something monstrous and scary. I'm like, that man will mess you up. I think you look at Brock Lesnar, Brock Lesnar will mess you up. I think Brock Lesnar would just like eat my hands because he's hungry and he wants to go. I'm like, what the hell, man? <laughs> but in that match, I, I believe both men would destroy me. And I love them both because I love a good beefy destroyer because Vince always like the big guys but sometimes the big guys can't do much and Bobby is limited in his wrestling but let's be fair here all wrestlers are going to be limited in something the Johnny Garganos who I love I love Johnny Gargano I'll defend him to say my buddy does it but I'll defend him to say Johnny Gargano can't do a full body press on you if you're 300 pounds whereas someone like Bobby Lashley and that's a nice little trick because Bobby I think became the fifth black um, WWE champion as you see it's not a full long line coming into it and the one thing i'll take note of you're seeing biggie with the nxc championship you're seeing uh mark henry with the uh, world heavyweight championship king booker world heavyweight championship you're seeing keith lee with the nxc championship two things i want you to consider because i'm not counting the rock and i'm not counting the rock because of national i'm counting the rock because that was just a small stint to get cena over it wasn't a legitimate reign it was transitional i believe he beat um cm punk and I grant you, that's going on that title, unless we're going full attitude error, then yeah, it's all the gym and stuff like that. Even though, ironically, Rock didn't have that many long um, long uh, feuds coming into it, or not long feuds, long reigns compared to some of the other people. But you look at Lee and you look at um, Biggie, those are the NXT titles. So what I'm hoping that Bobby could do that Rock did do in his prime, not at that last time he had the title. And unfortunately, what Mark Henry necessarily couldn't do, what Booker T kind of did but couldn't do, and Kofi. And I love Kofi, but he kind of suffered a little bit from the Drew effect where the challengers weren't as um, an elevator title. I'm hoping that Bobby can at least elevate that title to be on par with the Universal Championship because Roman's just been killing it. The storyline's been better. The writings have been better. The matches have been fine because they're written in a particular way and produced in a particular way. But this could be refreshing for me because I don't think Bobby's going to have to wrestle Goldberg for relevancy. Just saying. But Drew will get his chance again, and he will get that chance with the uh, live crowd. But good for Bobby. Very happy for him. All the other titles have not changed. <laughs> I'll just keep that now because I made it seem like it was bigger. It's just it was across all these brands that big stuff happened revolving the titles. Biggie still the IC champion. Riddle still the U.S. championship uh, champion. Um, Bailey and Bailey's not doing anything. It's Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. They're going off in wrestling at WrestleMania. They made that official. That's gonna be cool. Maybe I don't know what's gonna happen there. I think Sasha retains, but we're way too out of it. Tag champions are all the same, as if there's tag champions that matter because Vince doesn't know how to do tag team wrestling. I hate it. And then Oscar still Rawls won champion. But Bobby Lashley, I woke up when Drew McIntyre lost. And I'll leave it at this, Francisco. When Drew McIntyre was no longer champion because of Miz Cashin, I woke up and I heard chirping. By my window, it was beautiful. When I woke up today, it was Bobby Lashley as my champion. 
I heard angels singing. I thought I died and went to heaven. <laughs> and that's all I got for you this week. Okay. All right. We got 20 minutes out of it. I knew it was going to be. Yeah. No, I knew that was, that's usually around the average. That's around the average. Okay. So that is it for number 95. So we got about five more episodes left in this season before we take our normal break. But uh, yeah, thank you to Brendan for popping up on the show, B Rourke Sports on Twitter. Check him out on the Indiana Pacers, pacers.com. You'll find his his writings there. So uh, thank you to Podcorn for sponsoring this episode. So we we are we actually got paid. Um, so yeah, yeah. So the yeah Podcorn for those who don't know. It's for podcasters and or advertisers out there that want to find each other with different opportunities to promote products and services and or podcast themselves. And yeah, you can even even the little guys, even guys like us down here in the in the, the Marianas Trench of sports media can find somebody out there to, to help out and get the word out about their their products or services so podcorn they've got tons of them like i don't know like i think there's like 90 plus different opportunities out there so you will be able to find it uh, find somebody that matches you and a service i I might as well talk about them a little bit because uh, yeah they the good ui you have you, you you as a podcaster as we did we send out a proposal to any Buddy that's looking for somebody to have, who has a platform. It's like, hey, we've got this product that we want to get the word out, and we have a budget. And you're like, oh well, we can get the word out. Here's our rate. You 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 can put in any rate you want, like ten dollars per episode, whatever. And each sponsor, each sponsor, potential sponsor, has different categories of what they want. Sometimes it's just, hey. A little shout out at the beginning of an episode, at the end of an episode, or at the middle of an episode. Sometimes they want full on, hey, we got a guy from our company that wants to come on and talk about it. Okay, you can bring him on. Or sometimes it's like, hey, we got this product. We'd like people to review it, get their genuine, uh, uh, was it genuine, uh, gosh darn it, man. Well, Charles, I'm I'm running out of words. Yeah, there you go. Reaction, thoughts on it. And, and give us a review so sometimes they'll, they'll ask for that too so there's different things out there and then you can uh, find lots of different opportunities and uh, i found a few from the sports world as well and i'm we're sending some out there too and so podcorn thank you they will be our sponsor for the next for this episode and the next two episodes coming up so you'll be hearing that on the podcast version. I might cut this out in the end. I have no idea. But regardless, thank you. And thank you to everybody who listened to this and who will listen to this in the future when I post this later on tonight. All right. That's it. I'm good. I got to find new video games to play this month. I'm done with gigantic video games. Play Yoshi's Woolly World. I'm out. Bye. Take care. Take care.